raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey, Jake, is the, uh, is the car packed? You got snacks? Good to go? Uh, well, I did, but here's the deal. Oh, no, I'm, I'm nervous. I know. So my buddy Michael Ware, who is the lead singer of the elect, the greatest local band right. in India. Winner of the Masters back in the day. That's right. And Bob Kravitz going along with. We are going tonight to Wrigley Field to see Bruce Springsteen. Leaving this afternoon to give ourselves time to go up there and you know get dinner, have a beer, whatever. Now, is Kravitz sitting alone or with you? <laughs> you mean in the car or well, at the no. show? At the show, because he was kind of a late addition. That was pretty spur of the moment, almost an on-air conversation. So uh, Michael and I had already bought two tickets, and on the show, I just happened to mention it to Bob, and he's like, oh my gosh, I love Springsteen. So Bob, and I said, well, you can come along if you want. So Bob went on the secondary market, and I told him where our seats were, and so he's like, hey, I I got a seat that's right by you guys, and I'm like, great. Hmm. I'm assuming we probably Are you sure about that? I've seen Bob work technology before. I... I, (laughs) I might well, believe that. We're not exactly it. in an elaborate area. I think we're like in the bleachers. So I think we're just in a row or a section that's almost just like bleachers. And so he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy a single ticket. And I go, great. Just ride up. We'll be in the same vicinity. We'll enjoy the show. We'll ride back together. We'll have fun with it. But You'll that find was him once before. he gets done crowd surfing. When he gets that's done right. Crowd- there he is. Sure. Bob! All of that plan was before... Um, I found out that last night I hit five numbers in the Mega Millions. So now I've got to figure out whether or not I'm even associating with people. So you did drive to Thorntown yesterday after the show? I did. I actually bought, you know what? I had, I, th- I think, about four tickets. I matched a number. Yeah, same here. Some guy, some jackass in Neptune, Florida, right? Mm-hmm. At a Publix, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Wow. One and, uh, single winner. You know, $783 million cash sum. Florida no state tax, so. That's pretty nice, too. And a Publix. That's not what I would have expected. Uh-huh. Yeah, Publix would be the last place that guy's going to be seen, or gal, right? Hey, you can still get some good sandwiches be, from there. Well, I know, but I'd be in private a lot. So that's just what? Outside of Jacksonville? I mean, that's not as correct rural, rural as I was expecting. Um, the other thing, by the way, before we get to everything, the, the other big lo- Mega Million lottery last night, I guess yesterday is when the codes went out for people to buy Taylor Swift tickets? Yep. Now... I got into a furious debate yesterday. Are you ready? Sure. And I said, I think people, I think people interpreted this as a slight at Taylor Swift. It's actually a credit to her. What Taylor Swift is doing is unbelievable, considering that we are no longer like a monoculture. People consume their entertainment on demand. You seek out what you want, and if that's all you want to listen to, that's all you have to listen to because there are a million different places that you can listen to and ingest music, television, whatever it might be. So I got in this debate yesterday with a buddy of mine that, that like disagreed with me, and I'm like, I, I don't think this is up for debate. In 1984, or even 1994, if you would have stopped like a thousand people on the street in 1984 and said, can you name five Michael Jackson songs? You would have had a much higher percentage of people, despite their age, demographics, socioeconomics, religion, whatever. You would have had a much higher percentage of people in 1984 that would have said, oh, yeah, I know Billie Jean, I know Thriller, I know Beat It, than Taylor Swift today. I don't dispute her 
incredible appeal, her incredible talent, her incredible uh, reach to people. But I'll ask you, Mark Dykton, how many Taylor Swift songs can you name? Oh, quite a bit, I'd say. You have daughters, right? Yeah. But Kevin, I mean, how many can you they're name? They're young enough to yeah, not really I mean, know. Shake It Off, Bad Blood, Love Story, Our Song. Never Getting Back Together. Never Getting Back Together. So I just, asked, I just asked, my point is this. As a 50-year-old, non-married, with no children male... Like, I have nothing against Taylor Swift, but I would, for me to listen to Taylor Swift, I would kind of have to seek it out. In 1984, for a 50 year old person with no children, it would have been impossible to avoid Michael Jackson. Just because of the, the, there were only, you know, five radio stations and four television channels, whatever. So it's amazing what she's doing. I just asked Sean Copeland. He told me that they have four Taylor Swift songs in their rotation. They have nine Michael Jackson songs in rotation on B right now. Like, I just think like, do you guys get what I'm saying though? Like it's it's more it's a more specified. You you consume music today a la carte, whereas 40 years ago you you consumed what they gave you. Oh yeah, it's like you know how the record for series finale for Mash was like a hundred something million, and it's like well that'll never get topped because right. it's right. just such a small. I mean, it's amazing what she's doing. Like I, the people that. You know, I mean, tickets for 13 months out in hotel rooms are already booked. I mean, it truly is incredible. Yeah, I mean, the Airbnb and I think the great thing is are absurd for next November. I mean, hell, she is, yeah, I mean, 15 months out, she's able to garner three nights in an NFL stadium and do it in Miami, do it in Toronto, do it in Indy. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, for our generation, I, I don't know who else you would really put up there with her. Oh, uh, I, I don't know that there's anybody, right? I mean, yeah. I think the thing that she... Ha- that has had the staying power for as long as she has had. You know, there obviously there were, you know, whatever, Britney Spears and insert other people here. But to do it for as long as she has... I, I think the biggest appeal about her or the real testament to her, and, and I give her all the credit in the world for this, and I think it's wonderful, uh, she is an entertainer that a man or woman can take their 12-year-old daughter to go watch and all three of them are going to enjoy it. Like she's, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that's a, that, that is a true, that's a, that's a true gift to be able to do that, to, to appeal to all people. And my understanding is her shows are absolutely incredible. Right. Just an incredible performer. Um, yesterday, not in show, Kevin, you, you noticed it right away, you and Rick Venturi. And then, um, I guess kind of a, a it became kind of a thing, if you will. No, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, there was, um, you know, I guess practice started what, nine yesterday and, as we started to make our way through that nine o'clock hour, and we looked out there, and I'm thinking, boy, Taylor is usually out here by now. He's usually out here pretty early in practice, uh, but he was not present for the first time in nine training camp practices. We'll play some Shane Steichen audio here in a bit on the Taylor situation. I would say Shane was slightly more expansive. I don't know if expansive does it enough credit, but uh, basically, he mentioned that. Uh, Taylor was rehabbing. Taylor is rehabbing the ankle. So I guess we can throw out the back. If Shane Steichen is saying ankle on record, do we throw out the Jim Irsay leaked back information? I, I, I guess we can do that. Um, so Shane Steichen mentioned just the ankle yesterday in terms of the rehab for uh, Taylor. And if you look at 
the later reports, Shane didn't want to maybe reveal all of this information, but Ian Rappaport from NFL Network said that he's doing this off-site, and he's going to be uh, on an excused absence for several days. I'd say one of the first things I thought about when I saw this Taylor news, I'm like, and I, I I don't know the answer to this. And so fully like hand raised and anytime you deal with kind of medical talk, I'm like, gosh, that is so just over my brain. But when you think about Taylor's situation right now, you think about Shaquille Leonard's situation, which I think is a little bit murkier considering the issues there and properly diagnosing it. But you go back to Andrew Luck in 2019 it's pretty wild that you could argue the three most prominent players the Colts have had over the last handful of years, they all have had the most difficult injury situations to diagnose, correct, and get back on the field in a somewhat reasonable manner. And by all accounts, Taylor's dealing with a high ankle sprain. And, and again, some of this is on the player. I'm not just sitting here like being like, what is going on medically? But it is just confusing to me, Jake, that when you look at Luck's calf situation, which didn't need surgery. Now, granted, again, as Andrew has said, that was obviously impacting his other relationships and a big reason why he retired. But the Leonard thing was, has been a multi-year issue. And now Taylor seemingly having an injury that should take maybe a month or two to recover from, and we're now in the eight-month span of it. Why is this happening to the best players on the Colts football team? Kevin, everybody has that group of friends from high school, right? Or that you grew up with. And there's one person in the group that everybody loves – Everybody loves them. They've been, you've known them forever. They're, they're the staple of your group of friends. They're, they're a, a main piece of the group of friends. But the rest of the friends are like, gosh, do you ever notice there's just constant drama with Jim? Like, like every time we get together, there's like, there's either drama with his wife or drama with like his work or drama with his parents like that poor guy's life is just constant drama we love him we love jim and i think jim's even aware of it and he makes reference to it every once in a while but man it's amazing that jim is like still a happy-go-lucky guy because his life is constant drama but i've known him forever so i'm not going to quit being his friend isn't that how people feel about the colts it's constant drama i love him I bet I, we've been, they've been a part of my life for 40 years, but from Eric Dickerson's holdout to Jeff George's holdout to Craig Erickson not working out and Steve Walsh being the answer and then and then Ted Marchabroda taking over for Lindy and Fonte and then Jim Harbaugh leaving and then Peyton Manning being drafted but Ricky Williams not being drafted and then wow there's stability and so they win a Super Bowl but then Peyton Manning gets his neck hurt and so now Andrew Luck comes in and that's cool but then he went snowboarding and and so then Andrew Luck was on his way out and no problem we're going to bring in Philip Rivers but then gosh this great linebacker that we weren't expecting to be great has this weird ankle injury and now it's his back and 
Philip Rivers is gone, and now there's another guy in, and he didn't get a shot, and he's a weirdo, and so he's gone, and now another guy came in, and we didn't know that we got a statue, and I, it's just constant drama, right? And it's just awful news that a month before the season, you have a guy going offsite for theoretically rehab, second opinion, however you want to look at it. You know, I've mentioned here in the past few days, I think we're starting to reach some breaking points in this. At some point, Taylor's got to practice. Um, I. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll be totally proven wrong next week. I found it odd when I asked Shane Steichen yesterday, is there a chance Jonathan Taylor practices in training camp? He didn't. Le- he left that door open. I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I said to Mike Chappell, and God bless Chap, you know, recovering from a hip issue, I go, Chap, I think it's a better chance that you practice in camp than Jonathan Taylor practices by next Thursday. I mean, you can throw him out there in the joint practices with the Bears. It's Jonathan Taylor. And again, this is, I think, a little bit on Taylor, too. I think we have a guy, Jake, that has never dealt with an injury, in his football life to to an extent where it is sidelining him. And I'm sure there's some contractual stuff that's weighing on it as well, but I don't know if Taylor fully trusts himself to go out there and try and play at 80-85%. And again, that's me projecting a little bit there. Um, but again, it is very out of the norm for a guy, for an injured player not to be at practice. That's very out of the norm for the Colts. Uh, very out of the norm to go off-site a month before the season is going to start. And we'll have Stephen Holder on in a little bit to discuss this. The injury situation with Taylor throws a massive curveball into all of this contract saga. But I believe before this ankle has lasted into the month of August, I think the Colts had kind of made up their mind. I think they had made up their mind that they were not going to pay Taylor. So I, I don't think his health is as big as the smoking gun in all of this that I think some people believe. I think the Colts had already made up their minds. And if you look recently at some of the comments, particularly Ballard, Ballard never really referenced, I think he referenced it maybe one time, but he referenced other things in regards to Taylor's absence, um, or I should say Taylor's contract situation back on opening day of training camp. There was a brief mention of the ankle, and outside of that it was a lot more of a you know, our coaching staff's got to evaluate everybody on offense. We're coming off a four-win season, this and that. It was never really any sort of ankle thing. Again, when Ballard met the media on that report day, he didn't think Taylor would be on the pup list. Here's another thing, Kevin, and I'm not – I want to be very clear here. This is not me, like, condemning the Colts at all, honestly. I think this is probably fairly the norm. But let's go back to drama. Derek points out very astutely the entire – reason for the Colts being in Indianapolis is rooted in drama. <laughs> but um, Edron James. Remember the the most famous moment in franchise history when it comes to injury was the famous Jay Moore call with Bill Polian. And that stemmed from the fact that Edron James went and got a second opinion from Dr. Uribe in Miami about his knee and he wasn't happy about the way the Colts diagnosed him, yada, 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 whatever. I, I think Jay Moore was off base there, but whatever. Uh, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had a shoulder injury, and he decided to go off-site and have a doctor from Stanford that he more trusted, and yada, yada, yada. And then there's subluxation, and there's snowboarding, and whatever else. Jonathan Taylor. Well, he's suddenly now he's not around the team because he's off getting like treatment elsewhere off-site. 
maybe I get it because people just want to be away kind of from the, the pressures or the scrutiny of a work circumstance. But Kevin doesn't seem like every time that a player decides to go outside of the organization to get treatment, the drama ensues. Well, yeah, second and third opinions usually mean you're not returning anytime soon. Or you aren't happy with the initial answer, obviously, that you got, which I would think primarily comes from the team. And I, I continue to think there is a lot of strain on this Colts-Taylor relationship. And um, I think the trade request is very real. I think Taylor's venom is very real. And clearly the Colts, through some of their actions, they're doing a lot of running back homework. Whether it's the signing of Kenyon Drake, whether it's this reported visit from Kareem Hunt, um, I think I said this on the Monday after we had the Taylor trade request. Jake, if you have no belief that you're going to extend Jonathan Taylor, you have to trade him. You've got to get return on whatever investment you can with this situation. And I I will. I I don't. We can get into the Kareem Hunt thing. I don't necessarily agree with that. And if anybody wants to know my reasoning for that, first off. You know, Google November 30th, 2018, and the Kareem Hunt kicking of a woman. But, I mean, also just as a football player, if you want to look at that, his numbers have just really, really dropped as he reaches closer to the age of 30. I have real strong opinions on that. Yeah, I I think it's an absolute... Honestly, I think it's pathetic the Colts would even bring him in for for a visit, frankly. Here's the, here's the, Kevin, let me just say this real quick, and I don't mean to, to jump in, and I know that this is probably a 30-second statement that requires a 30-minute explanation, but I'll say it real simply, okay? And I'll say it real loud for the people from Decatur Central to Lawrence North, from Greenwood to Hamilton County. I, Kareem Hunt has a history of being a good football player and the Colts job is to win football games I would stress past past history not recent history. the Colts job understood the Colts job is to win football games okay and it's in the best interest of the Colts to accumulate the best football players they can fine however if they want to bring in Kareem Hunt they want to talk to Kareem Hunt they want to kick the tires on that pardon the pun then that is absolutely their right, and as a football execution, it makes sense. But this is a franchise that has forever, like all of them do, but very few have done it more, and very few have convinced their fan base more that they are a franchise that believes in character first. And it's all good and well and happy and kumbaya to talk about that every time you talk about the draft and every time you talk about the free agency and every time you stand at the podium with your arms folded and your baseball hat on and say, we care about character. It's good. Then all of that, all of it becomes total BS when you bring in a guy that has a history of being suspended for half a season in the National Football League for violence on tape against a woman. Period. Just watch the video. Correct. Whether it's him charging at the woman and she hits her head on the wall, whether it's kicking the woman while she's on the ground. If you're Jim Ursa, you got three daughters, imagine one of your daughters being that woman. If you're Chris Bauer and you've got a couple daughters, imagine that woman on the ground. Again, being they, one they of want to bring him in, that's fine. Don't ever again tell me that you go character first because you're lying. A top three running backs for the Colts out yesterday. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, of course, on the pup list. Zach Moss dealing with a broken arm. Deion Jackson has an injury. So, you know, obviously there are reasons to pursue the running back market. Um, 
You know, Mitch with the Kenyon Drake thing, I just think there's a little bit more smoke with that. Like, I, I don't look at that as a camp body. Obviously, if they're bringing in Kareem Hunt for a visit, and I think Jake and I just both laid out our, our opinions on that, clearly they're doing more homework on this running back thing. And again, I will say this, if you're planning to trade him, you have to you know go out there and do homework. Again, I don't think Hunt should even be anyone on your radar, but that is neither here nor nor there, it's you know more of the Colts' actions right now, and the Colts' actions are they're looking into a lot of running backs. So we'll continue to chat about this throughout the show. I thought yesterday was certainly not one of the better days for Anthony Richardson, and really it was Richardson struggling in an area that I think he's pretty good at, and that is throwing the ball down the field. Um, he had a couple underthrown deep balls, which we have really not seen all camp long. Uh, he also had a fumble on a scramble, so ball security, which again, I don't think has been too much of a problem for him in camp. That was the issue yesterday. It was Gardner Minshew back with the starters. So while Richardson has taken more starting reps through nine practices, we continue to see no real kind of breakaway in this. The Colts released their depth chart last night ahead of their first preseason game on Saturday. And we've got a big OR next to the quarterback. Uh, that would be Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson as their starter. I um I don't imagine we'll get a lot of opposition on the Kareem Hunt takes, right? I would hope not, but at times Jake humanity never ceases to amaze me. Bless you. I I, I encourage and I don't even like using that word, Jake. Just watch the video. Just watch the video. And then what did Kareem Hunt do, Jake? What did he do after the video? He lied. He lied about the video. Yeah, it, it, I I don't know if I would have had the same venom before having a daughter, but um, yeah, it, it really, I like to think, and I think Chris Ballard's track record with roster moves, for the most part, has more of a character element to it than most. And I think listeners of our show, Jake, will know. But that one move, if they were to do it, takes away, yeah. erases all of it. Mm-hmm. And again, I... It erases all of it. Speeding ticket, smoking, whatever. I, I, I'm i trying to think of other, like, off-the-field issues. Gambling on your team on an app. You know, kicking women. Uh, I got to draw the line somewhere. Do you think? It, it, bottom line is, at that point... And I, it, think it's, I think it's pathetic to bring them in for a visit. Totally. I totally agree. What you are saying there is, yeah, everything that we have told you as a franchise forever about character mattering, we we actually we were lying. And I would say that to Chris Bauer because, tomorrow on the practice field. If he walked over, the first thing I'd say to him, I'd be like, Chris, what are you doing? Like, it, it, you have preached it, and for the most part, you've acted on it. And yet, and again, I don't even want to necessarily compare him to other football players because if you look at the recent track record it is going downhill for Kareem Hunt as a running back in this league if you compare what Nick Chubb does with the Browns and again I know that Nick Chubb's one of the best running backs in the NFL we're talking about a stark difference behind a great offensive line in Cleveland in their yards per carry but for Jim Irsay Chris Ballard I think it's utterly pathetic they'd even bring Kareem Hunt in for a visit especially when he was like about to sign with another franchise right yeah Mark do we hear back from Dan Rossini at all? We did. She was unavailable today with ESPN duties. Maybe later this week. 
Yeah, we tried to reach out to her because, and Mark, feel free to refresh my memory on the exact wording on the tweet, but basically she had pointed out that Kareem Hunt was getting ready to work out for the Saints, was there on a visit, was getting ready to go on the field and work out, and then all of a sudden he got a call from the Colts, and the Colts were offering more money, and his agent advised him to leave New Orleans and come to Indy. Her exact tweet, and this is a quote tweet from a previous Adam Schefter uh, tweet, she said, how about this twist? Kareem Hunt was called by Indy before he even stepped foot on the field to work out with the Saints and was offered more money per source. He was advised to leave and head to Indy with the Colts for a visit. And Adam Schefter's original tweet says he'll meet with the Colts later today. I, I hope for the sake of the Colts and their fan base that that does not come to fruition. It's I, I'm with Kevin. Um, it's bad enough to even entertain the thought. You lose a lot of credibility there. Jake Love, Doug Bowles coming up at Eight uh, Brickyard Week is here. Chase Briscoe, did you catch him at Colts camp? I, I don't know if I you did had... see him walking around yesterday with yeah. his family, right? Uh, him and Alec Pierce and Mo Alley Cox caught up after practice, so Chase Briscoe was out there. Obviously, a busy, busy weekend over at IMS, so we'll have Doug Bowles on at eight to chat about that. Also, and I guess it's a tad random, but maybe we just keep driving up thirty-one and we'll get a decision on this later this week. Did you see the final four schools for Flory Badunga? And his announcement, which I believe is coming this week. I believe those schools. You know what? I'm gonna go, we're gonna test my memory because I know he announced it like three or four weeks ago. But I'm gonna see if I can name all four of them on the other side. Okay. Part of our check down. The four schools for top rated center out of Kokomo, Flory Badunga. You know what I want to imagine with this Badunga announcement coming the week of August 9th? He doesn't want to be a distraction for his Kokomo Wildcats soccer team. <laughs> That's right. When they play Peru in, in in a big matchup, I want to make sure that you know you don't have people there he's, that are he's later him about he's that. later season Jamie Tart, not season mm-hmm. one yes. Jamie Tart. Right, yeah, v- yeah. very accurate analogy, right there. Good Wednesday morning to you. I know we got a lot of overnight rain, and it sounds like there's some rain potentially coming later today and tonight. No Colts practice today. There's only four left at Grand Park. They'll be out there tomorrow. That'll be Mark and I with Jake. Um, carrying Bob Kravitz out of Wrigley tonight. There's going to be a lot of uh, duties on that end. So uh, we'll be out there tomorrow morning. And then next Tuesday is our final show out there. Wednesday and Thursday of next week will be the joint practices with the Bears. And those are night practices with the Bears on that end. And speaking of the Bears, did want to get this in. Uh, Coming up Saturday, August 19th, the Colts take on the Bears. That is the preseason home opener. It's the only preseason game. Um, and that is a Georgia Street tailgate from 4 to 7. Music kicks off with a live DJ at the Jack Daniels tailgate stage when gates open. Free entry, all ages are welcome. So Georgia Street must stop as you make your way over to Lucas Oil Stadium, or even if you're not going to the game, just enjoy Saturday night downtown over on Georgia Street. Getting good Wednesday morning to you. It is a nice start to this hump day here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquari on 93.5107.5 The Fan. All right, Jake, Flory Badunga, as we mentioned, he is down to four Jay. schools. Jay. Uh, his announcement is coming this week. You said you've got three go. of the floor. Three I, I, of the four. Isn't there one of them that's kind of an interloper? Don't tell me who they are. But it's like three traditional powers, and then wasn't there one that's like, well, that's cool, but I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, I, I do think all of them have made recent runs, but th- there's probably one that you wouldn't label. Okay, Duke? Was that one? Uh-huh. Yep. Michigan State? Right state, not oh, the right Oh, Michigan, school. that's right. Michigan? Uh-huh. Kansas? Boom. 
And then the last one, uh, give me the conference, which is almost impossible to remember these days. How about all four of these schools are in four different conferences? So you've got the ACC with Duke. You've got the Big 12 with Kansas. You've got the Big 10 with Michigan. Let's go down to the SEC. He was front, Alabama? He was front and center, I believe. I think he was, at the state final game. That would be Bruce Pearl and the Auburn That's Tigers. Right. Auburn. And not to get too deep into the weeds of this recruitment, Jake, but I don't think those are all like – Kansas is not a Nike school, right? I, I don't think you have like Kansas, all Nike here or Kansas like all Adidas. Kansas Adidas school, correct. So, you know, obviously I have no idea how this recruitment has gone behind the scenes, but just an interesting quartet of schools. Especially considering for Floyd Badunga, there was a lot of discussion that Cincinnati was the front runner because the family that facilitated for him to come play in Kokomo has Cincinnati connections – um, certainly Indiana, I had heard, was in the mix late and, and may still be. Uh, Michigan State was one that it was thought for. But again, with NIL stuff, man, you just never know. Now, I do believe this. You know, Auburn's a Auburn's an Under Armour school. Kansas is an Adidas school. Uh, Duke and Michigan. Michigan is, is actually Jordan, you got is four Jordan different. Jordan Brand? Jordan Brand and then Duke Nike, right? So you got four different ones. Um, I think a lot of times, I do believe this with Romeo Langford. 100% believe this with Romeo Langford. When Romeo Langford opted his final three, if you remember, were Kansas, Indiana, and Vanderbilt. And I will go till the end of time believing that Vanderbilt was thrown in there because they were a Nike school and that prohibited anybody from being able to draw the absolute certainty conclusion that Adidas was completely driving his recruitment, which they were. Did we just talk about high school recruiting so we could delay talking about the Reds to lead off the second? Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? Somebody yesterday, somebody sent a tweet that said the Cubs are now one and zero since Jake Query said that their like their inevitable implosion was upon us. Did I say that yesterday? I don't recall. There was some Cubs slander, I'm sure, because they lost a game. But they're still the hottest team in baseball since three two were the two scores of note yesterday. Cubs over the Mets three two, and it was the Marlins over the Reds I by the same score. Trotting out Lucas Sims the third day in a row. You deserve the two run homer that he allowed there in the seventh as the Reds lose. Good news, I think we can agree on Mark. The Brewers lost. Brewers lost. Cardinals lost. Good day. Uh, so Brewers up one and a half on the Reds, two and a half on the Cubs. And did we get a chant for Kevin Brown last night? And we did. And is it Camden Yard still? Yes. Actually, it's the other way around now, isn't it? Uh, no, one and a half on. You're right. One and a half and two and a half. Because I'm, I'm, no, the 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 Cubs are now a game and a half back, right? They picked up a game. Yeah. So the Reds and Cubs both a game and a half back, right? I thought it was one and a half and two and a half, but I the will Cub, double check. The Cubs have a higher winning percentage by like it, a point. Both one and a half. Yes, correct. Sorry. Uh, you, yes, you, you're right, Jake. A one and a half back, both the Cubs and the Reds tied behind the Brewers. Cute fella did lose, and the crowd was chanting for the play-by-play guy to be reinstated. Mm-hmm. That, that something's, I'm telling you, something's going on there. Because the Orioles are like, oh no, he's coming back. I looked it up. This guy, this fella started with the Orioles in 2019. They went 54 and 108. Yeah. He's seen some crap baseball so like, in his so, time. So He's that's the line evaluator. in the sand. The line in the sand is pointing out that the Rays had, had like beaten them a lot of games recently. Maybe I'm trying to put on like my teacher hat a little bit here, but I hope this like sends a very public message to team broadcasts, team websites, et cetera, et cetera. It's okay to report facts. Don't you think the audience wants journalistic integrity yes. facts more than they yes. want sweeping stories under the rug and ignoring elephants in the room like i said for for a sport that 
loves statistics and like exit velo and all that stuff. And like, you can't say, hey, we've sucked against the A Rays. simple win loss stat. Yeah. Come on now. And again, he didn't say we suck. He just pointed out. Right. And they had a graphic. Actually, he was totally positive about it because he was saying, hey, they've played really well this year against the Rays. And and he's like, and hey, the Rays are no slouch. This is a testament to how far this club's come. I mean, he was like being positive about it. Did I see the first pitch for Alex Pillow last night over at Victory Field? Yeah, but unfortunately, the first pitch for Alex Pillow, uh, not enough. Nashville wins 9-8. How about Nashville was up 8 nothing in that game? Indians almost came back to win that. Uh, Fever lose yesterday. Again, they're back at home. Three home games this week. Yesterday was the first one. They lose to the Sparks, so their recent issues continue. All right, on the other side, Doug Bull's going to join us at 8 to talk Brickyard Week. Stephen Holder coming up at 8.30. But on the other side, we'll get back to this Jonathan Taylor conversation. Shane Steichen, a little bit more expansive yesterday. On that front, we'll play some audio from the head coach coming up next. So that is... Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The big story from yesterday, 16 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on a Wednesday. Jake Query here along with Mark Dykton, Kevin Bowen. Gorgeous start to the morning here on, is today 8-8 eight, eight or 8-9? Eight, 8-10? Eight, what are we at here? 8-9. Huh? Okay. 8-9. So yesterday was 8-8 eight, eight and we never even mentioned that? It was Marvin Harrison Day? Yeah. I think you had Scotty eight, seven. drop like an 8-8-1988 eight, eight, question on the pop <laughs> quiz or something along those okay. lines. Okay. Uh, so Kevin... For those that are just waking up this morning, aren't we envious? Recap what happened yesterday after practice once Mike Chapel was sitting there and you were peering and I was looking and we're like, where's the guy in the hoodie with the 28 on it? Yeah, what? first time in camp. We have not seen Jonathan Taylor at practice. Um, you know, Shane Steichen on the Shane Steichen uh, transparent meter usually about a one or a two on a hundred zero to hundred scale. I'd say yesterday was about an eighteen with the Jonathan Taylor information. Um, let's just play that audio, Mark. You know, this is a several question back and forth. Uh, this was Shane Steichen yesterday in fielding Jonathan Taylor related questions. 
Yeah, this is part of his rehab process. If you guys don't see him out here, it's part of his rehab. Is he rehabbing here on site or somewhere else? Yeah, like I'll, I'll refrain from getting into that. But yeah. Do you expect what, what him back it? tomorrow? Or? Yeah, if you if you don't see him back here out on the field, it's because he's rehabbing. So what is his health status? I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's got an ankle and he's rehabbing his ankle. And like I said, once the medical class, uh, staff clears him and he's 100%, he'll, he's, he'll be out on practice. Has there closer? been much progress, do you feel? Yeah. I think he's in, in a good spot, and we're going from there. Do you think he'll practice during camp? Uh, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. We'll see how it all plays out, though. Again, once he's cleared, he'll be out here. Hey, how much you didn't want to get into it? Not much, apparently, but is this the original injury, the original surgery, or did you do something? Yeah, he's just he's got the ankle. It's the ankle, yeah. Thoughts, Jake? You know, I have an ankle, too. Usually Shane references little ankle. He said about Jake Witt, the seventh-round pick earlier in camp, he has a little hip, and then two days later, Jake Witt went on injured reserve. I don't know if the family would think he's got a little hip. Probably has a big hip, too. It's 6'8", 280. Um, Any thoughts, Jake, from that? When did Jonathan Taylor have his surgery? Oh, boy, 22nd, 23rd of January. What were we told then? Well, it was interesting. When the season ended... Again, Taylor missed the final three games of last year. It was a very start-and-stop year for him. When Chris Bowd had a season-ending presser, there was still debate on whether he would even need surgery. It was not a slam-dunk guarantee that Taylor would have surgery. Um, but he did have surgery You know, in whatever, the last week or two of January. And I believe the thought then was you know, this sort of surgery and rehab should not take very long. You know, whatever, four-ish weeks, if that, maybe a hair longer than that. And here we are on August 9th, and you're still dealing with it. And this goes back to what I was saying to open the show, Jake. Whether it's this Taylor situation, whether it goes back to Andrew Luck in 2018, the Leonard thing, it is just odd to me that you have dealt with these marquee, marquee players with seemingly not the most strenuous injuries, not like torn Achilles or torn AC, you know, not, not injuries that you should be on the shelf for, uh, you know, 10 months for. And yet the ability to properly diagnose, get them back on the field seems to be an issue. This report, January 29th, from Ian Rappaport, who's all knowing. It never felt quite right, Taylor said of his ankle, as the star mentioned to NFL.com in a phone conversation. The season is tough enough, but when you have something hindering you, it makes you tougher. Taylor confirmed that he underwent surgery on his ankle in the third week in January. Done by noted expert Dr. Robert Anderson in Green Bay, Taylor injured his ankle in week four against the Titans and was never physically the same the rest of the year. Taylor underwent an arthroscopic Debridement. I, I'm assuming I'm saying that correctly. A minimum, a minimally invasive procedure to clean out his ankle. It was listed as extremely successful. Again, this was seven months ago. Taylor referred to the doctor as the man, the legend. They found no structural damage. Doc, that, you're a legend. That thing had a bunch of junk in there from a bunch of years. Taylor said, laughing. Just finally had to clean it out and make sure I'm good to go. We finally had the time to get it right, make sure I'm 100% and ready to rock. That's all you can ask. It's a no-brainer. So now I can focus on maintaining my body and getting ready for the season. 
The number one thing is taking time to heal, he said. Number two thing is relaxing mentally after the type of season we had. Get healthy, decompress mentally. I'll be on my feet in no time. I will be ready to go. I mean, if that wasn't obvious that something stuck out that raised my eyebrows is that the problem is he got his surgery done in Green Bay, and we know. Packers suck! (laughs) That's where all the issues are. Uh Jake, how much, if any, do you think this injury situation is impacting the Colts, I would say, rather steadfast nature and not offering Taylor a contract extension? I think the injury situation is impacting it because I think the injury situation is part of the disguise of Jonathan Taylor not wanting to be there. If I was... So if Taylor had a contract, you think he'd be practicing tomorrow? Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think the... And you don't, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying that Jonathan Taylor. I want to make clear here. I'm not sitting here saying that that Jonathan Taylor. I have no reason to believe Jonathan Taylor is a liar per se, but I understand Jonathan Taylor's positioning, which is he is an unhappy camper, and he is coming off of a surgery, which makes it. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is saying to the Colts, "My ankle is really bothering me, and I need to go off-site to rehab." I think the I think Jonathan Taylor and the Colts are at a standoff, and it's convenient to tell all of us it's because of the ankle. That would be my guess. I think Jonathan Taylor is really unhappy. Yeah, I think he's really unhappy. But Jake, I also think you've got a guy that is incredibly and and all of you know. I would hope all NFL players are like this, but I think Taylor takes it to another level beyond in tune with his body. You know, we remember the stories about him at Wisconsin. They'd come back from road trips. You know, everybody, hey, you know, we're going to this party. We're going to this bar. We're doing this. Let's celebrate the win. And Taylor's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the ice bath. Like, this is a guy that I think from a very early on stage of playing football, he has been you know, pre-rehab more than rehab. Like, And I know that you know some people can be like, oh, everybody's like that. Taylor, by all accounts, you talk to people at Wisconsin, was just different in that realm. And I bring that up to say, again, this is the first real injury of his career. And I'm curious if he fully trusted I'm curious if he fully trusts his body. And sure, there's probably some contract implications on that. But Jake, even before that, we saw it last year. There were days where we would preview games. We'd get to Thursday and Friday. By all accounts, it looked like Taylor was going to play. And then all of a sudden, 28 put his hand up in the air and said, "Ah, I don't know. I'm not going to give it a go. Kevin, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I know one thing. And I know that is the fact that I am going to most show them what happens when I'm not out there. If I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I've been the good soldier, and so as a result, they've probably taken for granted my reliability, even though I know that he missed games, granted. But if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm saying to myself, these guys seem to take for granted that I'm going to be here and what I bring to this franchise. So... uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to force them to go through the PR nightmare of bringing in a guy that threw a woman down in a hotel and got caught on TMZ and suspended for half a season. Let's see how they like that. How long do you think he carries on this song and dance? Until he's paid. So you think he sits out games? Yep. Oh, boy, I'd be stunned. I mean, he's going to get fined heavily. Uh, that, that that becomes then a game of chicken, for sure. I mean, he's made very nice money, but let's not act like he's made $30 million in his NFL career. He's due four point three this year. He's made six ish in his career. That's a big chunk of money to be sitting out. 
You, so you think he'd actually set out games? I do. And take on those fines? That, I mean, that's again, that's the, that's the game of chicken he's got to enter into. Uh, the thing is this, and I agree with the text message I just received, okay? It's unfair, admittedly, to constantly compare the two franchises in this town. It's unfair. But it gives us a barometer by which we can compare the way things go. <clears throat> and I know we got Doug Bowles coming up. I'll simply say this. The Pacers did a remarkable job a year ago of turning things around. Even if they didn't, even if the Pacers didn't necessarily turn things around on the floor, people believe they have turned things around on the floor because they found a franchise player that people like, and they were transparent. The Pacers right away said, "You know what? We're not going to be very good, and we're going to try to get young players that people can rally around." And Kevin Pritchard was totally up front and said, "You know what? I." Victor Oladipo broke my heart and Paul George surprised me and and I got duped and I don't want that to happen again and so here's my game plan and people assumed they were lying and then each time it was like gosh you know what they were right they said they were going to hold on to Buddy Heald and he's still here they said that they wanted to re-sign Tyrese Halliburton and they did they said they they were going to struggle and be inconsistent and they were but they said that they believed in the plan so I guess I need to now as well the Colts on the other hand need to learn from that because the the Colts while there are a lot of things about the organization to like, transparency has not been one of them. And trans- Maybe they don't know. Maybe with Jonathan Taylor, they truly don't know. But coming off the Andrew Luck situation, that was a molehill that turned into a mountain because they were never transparent about what the hell was going on. And people, as a result of that, are going to distrust them, and they're going to suck this year, and they're going to lose benefit of the doubt because people are going to feel like they're not being honest. It's one of those debates, Jake, did they lack transparency or do they lack knowledge? That, that's a very fair question. And that's what I'm getting that's at a with very this. fair question. Why is this Taylor injury lingering for so long? Why was the Leonard thing so... And, and again, that one you might just chalk up of rare injury situation, very hard to diagnose. They look Why like, was the luck thing such a murky situation? They look like a well. kitchen with three different chefs. That's what they look like. Is one of them the Swedish chef? <laughs> Yesterday at Colts practice, they did not have a single running back practice who was on the team last season. Your healthy running backs on Tuesday were two rookies, a guy with two carries in his career, and a dude who was on his couch last week. So that's your state of the running back room right now. Now, again, we'll continue to look into this Saturday, the preseason opener. What should the Colts be looking for? Shane Second did have some comments on whether starters will play on Saturday or not. We'll touch on that here in a bit. Stephen Holder joins us at 8.30. But on the other side, it is Brickyard Weekend. Doug Bowles, president of the Speedway. He joins us next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I will embarrass, perhaps, our next guest by telling this story that I don't think I had shared earlier, even though I I mentioned an anecdote from it. Um, I don't know, two weeks ago, something like that, I was coming back from Toronto for the IndyCar race, had a layover in Charlotte, 
where I ran into Doug Bowles and his family who were also coming back and were sitting there at the gate while we were delayed, 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 and we're all just kind of standing there hanging around killing time. And I didn't even, like, catch it. I didn't even notice it. But there was an elderly woman pushing her husband in a wheelchair and, like, in the fastest blink and the flash of an eye that I've ever seen, without prompting or anybody even mentioning anything, Doug Bull's son Carter jumped into action and immediately relieved her of her duty, grabbed the wheelchair, and then pushed. And, th- and he was gone then, I-, I think, for like 30 minutes. Um, apparently, this woman was flying out of, like, Greensboro. And um, Carter pushed the wheelchair and talked with the folks all the way to see them to their gate and make sure they safely went off and then returned and got back in line and ate tomato ketchup tomato flavored potato chips with us and i thought it was um a very commendable moment and i thought it spoke volumes about the people that i was standing there at the gate with joining us now on the payless liggers hotline doug bowles the president of the indianapolis motor speedway set to spring into action and do whatever he needs to do to help people out this weekend at the speedway good morning doug on a race week yeah good morning i, I that was a it's funny that was a great story i was thinking you were gonna go right to the uh ketchup potato chips but um yeah carter did help those folks i think he was just going to help them get up the steep hill there and then he ultimately i think took them to their gate and then i uh, got them sorted out and then and they came back and hung out with us so that was fun no yeah but we are we are definitely race weekend which is uh fantastic i hope we have this weather we have right now this weekend go carter and go doug that's right. On that end of it. Uh, Doug, any changes from recent years? I know this format that will be here this weekend is pretty similar to what we've had here in the past couple of years. But for fans that, I, I don't know, maybe haven't been out there or have, a, any tweaks to the schedule? Yeah, I mean, the only real tweak to the schedule is we've added Indy Next or it has Indy Lights for those folks who haven't heard that we've changed it to Indy Next. So there'll be an Indy Next race on Friday evening, which will be uh, fun to have. And then... Uh, other than that, it's pretty much the same. You've got the Xfinity Series, the Cup Series, and the IndyCar Series all together. Uh, so it will be Saturday. Saturday, other than the Indy 500 and maybe the BC 39, it's my favorite race day of the year at Speedway just because there's so much activity uh, at the racetrack. And then, obviously, on Sunday when the Cup cars get on track, that, that, that's the only thing that happens on Sunday. Um, but that's a big event as well. So, Doug, kind of a dumb question. I think I know the answer. But for those that are listening and may not, in terms of, so you have the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Can you buy strictly individual day tickets, right? You don't, there might be some people that think to themselves, like, well, I'd buy a ticket, but I can't go on Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. You can buy individual days, correct? 100%. You can buy Friday, you can buy Saturday, you can buy Sunday, you can buy three, you can buy two, three, however that wants to go. And, and remember, we do try and make it easy. Kids 15 and under are free. So if you've got as many 15 and under, you can stick in your car there. Uh, they're free, so we try and make it simple for fans to, to bring families as well. Will this be, Doug, and I'm not leading you down here because I, I don't know the answer to this, so I'm, I'm admitting my naivete. Uh, is there the possibility that this is the last chance people are going to get to see the cup cars on the road course because that, that could change next year? And in addition to that, the essentially triple header, if you consider – IndyCar, right. well, I guess quadruple. IndyCar next, Xfinity and Cup. In terms of the all-encompassing potpourri that we see this weekend, is there a chance that people need to do it now? Yeah, I think there's a good chance that this is the, if it's not the last time, it may be the last time for some period of time. It's just going to depend on what happens ultimately uh, with um, the decision to uh, go to the Oval at some point in time for the Cup race. 
hit someday. Uh, and I don't know if that'll be next year or if it'll be further down the road. But but if it is, if it does end up next year, I think it makes it really hard for us to do uh, a doubleheader where you've got uh, IndyCar and, and NASCAR Cup Series on the same weekend at the same racetrack. At least at least at ours, because you because you're not going to put IndyCars on the oval if you put an opera, um, the, the Cup cars back there. So this could be. Uh, the last uh, you see that at least uh, in the in the near future, but we haven't made that decision yet. We're working with NASCAR to figure out what the plan is, but uh, I encourage people to come out regardless because it'll be a fun weekend. Would that decision be made by NASCAR or IMS? It's a it's a it's a decision that that we'd make together. We've talked about it for um, the last couple of years. Really, is there a point in time where we should? should go back to the oval again and then it's a it's a conversation where we really have to sit down and, and talk to the folks at Goodyear we actually have a Goodyear tire test happening Monday and Tuesday next week on the oval so Goodyear can see uh, how our oval asphalt has changed in the last few years since they've been on it how it impacts their tires do they feel comfortable about that decision so that's that's part of it and then working with uh, our television partner NBC which is also NASCAR's television partner to figure out the window so it's a little more complicated than just saying Let's make this decision. So we'll uh, we'll work through it and see where we end up. Doug, if and when it goes back to the Oval, that would again be the Cup race. Um, what would that mean for the IndyCar Road Race in the month of August? Obviously, we've got the one two weeks before the 500 in May. But what would be the ramifications of that IndyCar related with that second road course race? Well, that's a, that's a great question, and it's one that. Uh, you know, we're working with Jay Fry and Michael Montry and Mark Miles on how do we look at the IndyCar schedule and how does the Indianapolis Motor Speedway fit in it beyond, um, you know, beyond the, the month of May. My guess is that IndyCar would likely have to uh, find another event to uh, to replace uh, the, the, the road course at Indy. I don't think we'd do a standalone road course race at Indy um, if it's not with the with the NASCAR series. Doug Bowles is our guest, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Again, all the activity getting in the way on Friday. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now, if I'm not mistaken, Friday is strictly like practice and qualifying days, right, Doug? So Friday, except for the except for the, uh, the Indy Next race will be Friday. But yes, it's just practice um, and qualifying, practice for Xfinity, qualifying for uh, uh, IndyCar, and then uh, and practice for IndyCar, and then and then Saturday will be uh, Xfinity qualifying and race, and IndyCar race, and Cup uh, and Cup practice and qualifying. Doug, last one for me. Um, what are we, two and a half months, I guess, out from the Indy 500? I know we had you on that mo- that Monday right after the race, and I know the debrief in the whatever, less than 24 hours after the race can be a little bit different than it is two and a half months. So um, just big takeaways from um, this year's 500, and if you don't mind, could you comment on uh, the Kyle Kirkwood tire situation and kind of yeah. what, what were the findings on that front? <clears throat> Yeah, I, th- I think our big takeaway is uh, the biggest thing again. You know, the traffic. Um, we had a little, still having little bumps with the traffic, and just trying to work through that and understand, you know, understand how we can com- can continue to make it better. The challenge is it's three hundred thirty thousand people coming at the same time and leaving at the same time, so there's always going to be traffic. But um, trying to find out ways to to make that a, a little bit easier um, on the Kyle Kirkwood incident, obviously. Um, that was a pretty frightening incident for a lot of us, and especially for those folks that were that were sitting in turn two uh, over there as that as that tire decided to to leave the venue. Uh, IndyCar, you know, immediately sent that tire off to Italy and did a complete breakdown with our friends at Delara and trying to understand what had happened. The tether on the on the race car actually worked, uh, so that was the good news. 
Uh, they found a, a couple of components uh, that uh, they were able to um, add a new collar or ring to it uh, that should eliminate that problem in the future. It was one of those one of those things that I think is sort of a freak accident. It was just the perfect storm, but we learned from it. And and IndyCar made that announcement um, maybe four or five weeks ago that they they'd come up with this new collar to really keep that from happening again in the future. But that was definitely. Definitely one of the more frightening moments in my 13 years at the Speedway as I was uh, on the golf cart heading over to uh, to turn two and having no idea really exactly what we were going to see when we got there and, and uh, really uh, fortunate that uh, that wasn't a lot worse than it was. But I love the fact that the IndyCar series is just so quick at at focusing on how do we fix these problems. And, and Roger said it immediately after, Roger Penske said immediately after, the most important thing we have to do out of this Indy 500 is figure out why that happened, make sure it never happens again. And and when you got that support and direction from the top, it uh, makes it a lot easier to get it done. I actually wondered, Doug, and you tell me if this is, was even explored. You know, like in baseball, they, they expanded, like lengthened the nets that go along the third base line. And then you go to a game and you're like, gosh, I didn't even notice it. You know what I mean? Is there a chance they would increase the height of the catch fence? You know, we've so we've looked at that a little bit, and our our catch fence is about as high as any catch fence around the country as or world as it relates, to especially oval racing. Um, and looking at the angle of that, I don't know that the fence was was really going to make much of a difference for where, where it got where it got kicked uh, from uh, from Kyle's car. Uh, so the biggest thing is to make sure it just doesn't come off the race car. And then we continue to look at uh, you know the fencing and, and those pieces. But right now, I think the fence was probably fine. It's just a matter of making sure that. Uh, that that doesn't happen um that doesn't happen again in the component of the race car one of the things doug bowles that i think is cool doug bowles is our guest on the payless liquors hotline he's the president of the indianapolis motor speedway full weekend of racing this weekend between indycar indy next the xfinity series and cup series as well doug one of the things that's fun and i know that you know that that i think this is fun but in your capacity you know every so often i don't know if it's intentionally or serendipitously you will discover or come across some historical pieces or archives or paperwork or something from yesteryear of the speedway and you go holy cow i had no idea this was in this box um what's the latest discovery what's the latest thing that like all of a sudden invigorated you where you're like wow this is a pretty cool piece of of history at ims it's funny. It's funny you say that because I literally right now is and sitting at sitting at Crown Hill Cemetery, um, getting ready to go have a meeting in here. But uh, you know, kind of being a fan of the history and obviously Carl Fisher starting the Speedway. I don't know if you've if you've read the story about J.J. Hammond, um, who was a, a New Zealand um, pilot fighter pilot and was flying a demonstration here in the u.s in 1919 uh in greenfield and was flying back over to land in indianapolis and had a couple people on the plane with him and and ended up going down and crashing uh in what was called the marion county poor home property which was immediately adjacent to the indianapolis motor speedway in september of 1919 uh and he and one of the guys in the plane were killed and another guy broke his leg and was fine um Lieutenant uh, Hammond's family, wife lived here and went back home, had him cremated and left the ashes here to come back and pick them up later. And supposedly they're still in Carl Fisher's mausoleum where Carl Fisher said they could keep them there until the family could come back and get them. So um, that's the thing I'm trying to figure out right now. Is that a true story? And is J.J. Hammond uh, still here in Indianapolis at Crown Hill Cemetery alongside Carl Fisher? Now, and I'm I'm saying this fifty percent out of total curiosity and envy, and fifty percent somewhat flippant. But like, 
the mausoleum for those that are unfamiliar carl fisher who was the founder of the indianapolis motor speedway the the initial brain trust of south beach in florida amongst many other things has a a, a small mausoleum i mean it's big by cemetery standards at crown hill um does that mean that that you would be they would be allowed to open that to to try to discover something like that i mean and because i would assume that's just a room right that, that's right there like will you actually be going in it i will i will not be going in it but um uh just trying to understand if that's in fact uh if, if that's in fact true no i don't even i don't know be interesting i will ask when the last time somebody was 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 in there i believe his parents may be in there as well as a a young son who died at a young age so um just really interesting stuff you read and you find out as you're kind of going through the history of uh, history of the Speedway. I was really studying more about the aviation connection to the Speedway, especially around World War One, and then uh, Eddie Rickenbacker who bought the Speedway and just sort of the connections how that how folks uh, you know in aviation and automobiles in the early 1900s sort of uh, ran in the same circles, and that and that was one of the ones that I came across. It's just a fascinating story. And for those that don't know, by the way, at Crown Hill Cemetery, you can download an app when you visit Crown Hill that has the historical uh, resting places of different racing, everything from race drivers to, as Doug had mentioned, dignitaries. And that app then has audio link to it where you can hear the story of the particular people and their contribution to racing in Indianapolis. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool the history of this of this place, and it's a uh, you know fascinating one. Not just racing folks, but as you said, the just dignitaries and all kinds of famous people here uh, at Crown Hill. The history of this place is uh, is pretty amazing. But so that's my beginning of my morning, and I head back over to the racetrack, and we'll get things get things rolling. And uh, got a big weekend coming up. We got our sports car race coming up in September, and our our dirt our dirt track race. But the most important thing is 291 days from now is the 108th running of the Indy 500. And Doug Connor's going to be in the car on Saturday. Is that right? Yeah, Connor's going to get to run the Xfinity race, which will be fun for him. He's done, uh, you know, three Cup races in his career and three Truck races and one Xfinity race. So this will be his, his second uh, Xfinity race. And it, interestingly, the guy that called in Tommy Joe Martins, who runs Team Alpha Prime, um, was actually Carter's uh, driving instructor when Carter went to the Ron Fellows Racing School outside of Las Vegas a few years ago. So funny connection there that that, that uh, the Tommy Joe, who runs that team, uh, uh, was Carter's uh, racing instructor back when we went to uh, driving school together in, in Vegas a few years ago. Hey, listen, those ketchup potato chips are the truth, aren't they? Like, you laughed at I, me, you laughed at me, and then you're like, you know what, these are actually pretty good. Yeah, they were fantastic. In fact, you, you know, we started, you know, I, yeah, I was just going to eat one, and then you were nice enough to leave the bag. And uh, I think we got through that bag pretty quick. We, well, we we did we did sit around the gate for a little while. I think we got home at what two thirty in the morning at night. I, my middle my middle seat uh, my middle seat on the airplane and on the way home was it was entertaining. <laughs> it was it was planes, trains, and automobiles, baby. But we made it home from Toronto. That's what it's yeah, all about, Doug. Good luck this weekend. Good luck to Connor, of course, and I hope Mother Nature cooperates for you. And as you said, especially that Saturday is a pretty uh, jam-packed day over there at IMS. So uh, best of luck to everybody and your staff out there. All right, guys. Thanks so much. That is Doug Bowles right there, the president of the Speedway. Jake, I assume you'll be spending a lot of time out there this weekend. And, and I will kind of refresh our memory, you guys do the radio broadcast with the NASCAR Correct. Group. So NASCAR radio is divided amongst two groups. There's MRN and there's PRN, and they divide up the races. PRN is the one that has the broadcast rights for the Brickyard. So PRN 
and it's really fun. We do a combined, we merge with the PRN group. So Doug Rice, Pat Patterson, Jeff Hammond, Brett McMillan, Brad Gilley work it along with Mark James, Nick Yeoman, myself, Michael Young, we're all and Ryan Marine. So we 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 merge the two groups together um, to go out into the different turns. I will be in what is turn two of the oval. But that is turn, I think it's 9 and 10 as they come back on on the road course, as they work their way onto the oval and then back into the little final stretch of the road course in turn 1 of the oval. So I'll be up in that, in that area. Um, Derek White, who was the auction winner and is a listener to this program, is going to be with me for the weekend as my spotter. So I think we'll have fun. I think we'll have a lot of fun. And, you know, in all honesty, for the road course um, – that particular course, I think, is the perfect size for the Xfinity cars because the Cup cars are, are were there was more passing than I think people anticipated. But it's perfect size for the Xfinity cars to go two by two, you know, side by side through turns, and it gets pretty crazy. It gets pretty crazy, especially in the area that I'm going to be calling. You know, all of a sudden somebody will be flying through the grass and. Um, it gets hectic, so it'll we be. You get about six overtimes, don't we? As well, <laughs> that is correct. Yes, at the end of that, so get home about nine thirty. Yeah, that's right. So no. on the oval next year, is that your guess? I would guess next year, and I want to make clear that people know I've not been told this, but just and I don't think this is any huge secret. My assumption would be next year that it that the Brickyard is back to the oval, and that IndyCar is not necessarily part of that weekend because IndyCar to make up that date will be racing back at the Milwaukee Mile at some point. Doug pretty much just said if they go back to the oval that IndyCar would not have a second road course race at Correct. IMS at Correct. all, like you know during you know any other months of the year. Obviously, they've got the one in the month of May, just two weeks before the 500. But um, So, essentially some changes coming up, not only to IMS's schedule, but NASCAR and IndyCar as well. All right, Stephen Holder is going to join us here in about 10 minutes. We'll talk more Colts with Stephen, who has been, I think, pretty locked into this Jonathan Taylor situation as best that he can be. Um, and then some other takeaways from yesterday's practice. Again, I thought a pretty sluggish day overall. It's Gardner Minshew back with the starters. And Anthony Richardson had kind of an un-Richardson-like day. I'll explain that a little bit more here. Coming up in a bit, uh, before all of that, let's do a morning check down. Did you guys ever watch, uh, it might predate both of you actually, Jenny Jones or Ricky Lake or any of those trash television oh, daytime shows back like in the day? like in the wheelhouse. I was going to say, talking yeah. About? yeah. Okay. At, at one point I thought Maury was my uncle. Uh, <laughs> what? I had just such a great bond You are Maury. not the uncle. That's what mm-hmm. he said. The Jenny Jones and Ricky Lake in particular always did makeover shows, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to do makeovers for this person, and then you know. What? I kind of turned the channel when those those shows. Yeah, those those were lame for sure. But did you see who got a makeover? Oh, a happier looking fellow, a friendlier looking fellow. They decided perhaps to just give a little bit of a, a an old school jovial nature to him. Purdue Pete with a new look. Whoa, two thousand twenty three. Mm. Have Can I see a picture? Yeah, yeah I saw I saw a picture on the news when we had Doug here's, on. Here's the new Purdue Pete, Kevin. I don't know. I'm Still a strong jawline. On. Yeah, but he's he's got like a little bit of a half a smile, right? Is Purdue Pete on the Mount Rushmore of uh, most intimidating, frightening mascots, along yes. with the Providence Friar? I have always said this. Are there any two coaches who more makers. grew to look like their mascot than Gene Cady with Purdue Pete and Mike Krzyzewski with the side profile of the Duke Blue Devil? 
Coach K in that side profile for sure. I mean, it's unbelievable. For sure. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Purdue four is, Boilermakers. I thought Tiller even. Four Boilermakers. I thought Tiller even looked like Purdue Pete there for a minute. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Purdue, not one of the four schools, by the way, that is in the final four for Flory Benunga, the talented center out of Kokomo. But this week will be the announcement. Duke, Kansas, Michigan, Auburn, and then probably some late school like Indiana or Cincinnati that jumps in. What's the flying okra school? Maybe he'll pick that one. uh, Delta State. There you go. Yeah. He's not Dark going horse. to Pittsburgh State with Dallas Flowers there. Uh, Major League Baseball from yesterday. The Reds uh, gave up a two-run shot in the seventh. Lucas Sims, for some reason, pitching on a third straight day. Probably because the bullpen stinks. Uh, the Reds lose 3-2. The Cubs win 3-2. The Brewers lose. So, Jake pointed out in the opening hour, you've got the Cubs and the Reds one and a half back. It is a day game for the Reds. Buddy of mine's heading down there for the game. He just alerted me. We've got Johnny Cueto on the mound for the Marlins. Really? Quedo. Well, where are you going to go? Quedo. You remember that? Mm-hmm. The Pirates no, game? No, sure. Sure, sure, sure. 12-35, first pitch. Uh, day game for the Brewers. Um, for Mark's Cubs, it'll be a night game in New York. I always liked Quedo. Yeah, I like Quedo. I had an Edison Volquez t-shirt. Another jersey. one? Yeah, you remember Edison. Volquez? Oh, yeah. I have an Edison, Edison Volquez bobblehead doll. <laughs> I went to a Reds game. It was bobblehead night. I was going to wear my Ellie De La Cruz shirt, and then he struck out in the eighth. Is he starting? Is, the shine is, is off Ellie De La Cruz now. Yeah. Is water finding its level there? Yeah. Still, I think the entertainment. I mean, he's got a there. serious problem because the bat velocity is at .081. That's a serious issue. Fever lost last night to the Sparks. They're home Thursday and Sunday the rest of this week as far as Colts camp is concerned. Again, we'll continue that conversation coming up with Stephen Holder here. Purdue Pete looks kind of like the Kool-Aid guy. He's like bursting through the wall in this image. On the other side. Yeah, that is a, more of a it's like more of a cartoon look, yeah. or more of a, like a Nickelodeon hey, look. Hey, hey. <laughs> that was Fat Albert. That was not well, the that's Kool-Aid true. Man. But what does the Kool-Aid man say? He says, "Oh yeah." That's right. Oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Mark oh, all yeah. over it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no Colts practice today. They will be back to work tomorrow. It's a 10 a.m. session. It'll be Mark Dighton and I up there um, with Jake at Wrigley tonight you know what for the Pete Springsteen says against concert? like uh, St. Mary's or who was it this year? Fairly Dickinson. Fairly Dickinson. You know what they say? Oh, no. St. Peter's, by the way. St. Peter's. Randy Bennett would be ashamed that you compared St. Peter's to St. Mary's. Well, St. Mary's blew Indiana off the floor. I got my (laughs) disappointments confused. How great was that Randy Bennett conversation with him? Seems like he's a good dude. He's the best. Uh, But again, the Colts, four practices left at Grand Park. Again, tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, the joint practices with the Bears. And we'll also start to look ahead to Saturday. That is the preseason opener with the Buffalo Bills. In Buffalo, how much will the starters play? Will they play at all? We'll discuss that coming up here in a bit. Kevin Aquari on a... Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Very nice start to this Wednesday morning in Indy. (laughs) Oh no. 
Stephen Holder going to join us here in just a second. Again, an off day for the Colts today. I thought yesterday, you know, Jake, when we were talking about the Tuesday practice, it was like, okay, will we see Richardson for another day of the starters? Because I think if we saw that yesterday, it'd really be the first time we've seen kind of a true, true separation in those quarterback reps. It was Minshew again. Um, and I thought Richardson with the second unit really kind of had an uncharacteristic day for him in that you know, underthrew a couple deep balls, and that's usually, I think, where he's kind of at his best as a thrower. Um, but it does sound like certainly Richardson's going to play coming up this weekend and that uh, the starters will play some. That's my hunch on it. We'll see exactly how much and exactly who those starters will be. Stephen Holder joins us now, obviously, from ESPN. Stephen, um, Obviously, we'll begin with the Jonathan Taylor situation. And I guess let's maybe just start with what we know. Right now, Jonathan Taylor, as best you know, is where and when will he return? Uh, I believe, to the best of my knowledge, he is uh, somewhere out of state uh, getting treatment um, for his, I guess, his ankle. If we if we go with what uh, Shane Steichen is communicating to us uh, whether there are some associated issues that's still unclear to me and what they exactly are. But let, as you said, let's stick to what we know, right? So what we're told is it's he's getting treatment on the ankle. Uh, he is doing that elsewhere. That will last at least several days. So I expect his absence to, at this point, I'm guessing we don't see him uh, the rest of this week is my guess, educated guess. And uh, what happens after that still remains a mystery. And I would say, I would add that uh, he would still like to get traded if that is a possibility. That still remains uh, a desire of his. And it remains to be seen whether the sides can, can come together and find a compromise because that would certainly be best for everybody. I don't know if you know this, but do you think his team believes that he could get traded without practicing? I mean, that would obviously take a lot of sign-off from another team from a medical standpoint on Taylor. Good question, and a fair question. I haven't gotten clarity on that. I think that – well, let's put it this way. What's been told to me is that his his medical issues are not super serious, okay? Like, because if if they were, first of all, this wouldn't even be a conversation because you couldn't – have the audacity to ask for a contract extension or demand to be traded if you if there was some doubt that you could play but but there is i think a, a relationship to what happened last year and what's happening now and by that what i mean is he he doesn't want to if i understand correctly be uh, sort of burdened by any little lingering issue he wants to get back to 100 percent to start the year he certainly won't stay there if he plays, because you're going to get banged up. That's just football. But but he wants to start at least, you know, in a, in a good place uh, so that he's not struggling to overcome an injury all year as he was last year. And, and ultimately that did not work out. It didn't help the Colts and it didn't help Jonathan Taylor. So so I, I get your question. It's fair. And, and I, I don't have complete clarity, but I do not believe what he's dealing with is, is something that will keep him out for any length of time or endangers his season or anything like that. That is what I understand. Steven, Jonathan Taylor had his surgery in January. At the time, he said, like, yeah, it was really minor. I got everything cleaned up. You know, now I'm going to be good to go. 
I get the fact that when it comes to the human body, we really don't have any idea on timelines, curveballs, etc. Uh, I'm a cynic by nature. Is there any chance that while Jonathan Taylor's ankle may not still be 100%, that if he was right now currently under a contract that he really liked, that he'd be out there and that this is actually the ankle is a real convenient way of him just saying, I'll let you see how much you miss me. It's possible. It's certainly possible. I mean, I, I think getting the absolute truth here is hard because we haven't heard from Jonathan. So that is what makes all of this, you know, that that's what leaves us with a, a level of speculation, no matter how we try to stick to the facts we always end up in this this sort of zone where we we get into areas that we we can't fully explain because we haven't heard from Jonathan. So that would certainly help if if he was to come out and answer some questions and and give his uh, point of view. I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor is a pretty credible guy. I mean, he has always been, you know, pretty um, I, I think pretty easygoing with us as as media is concerned, and and a guy who is very likable and intelligent, et cetera. So I think he would have a lot of credibility if he came out and, and said some things and cleared things up. Uh, but failing that, it is hard to really know. Now, you know, your question is, is it kind of suggests or it kind of points to part of the problem here is it's kind of hard to really give an accurate assessment of what's happening because there are too many unknowns or at least some, some areas where we just don't have enough specifics so sometimes it's even hard to know, like, where you even stand on the whole thing. Like, what do I think? I don't know what I think sometimes, you know, because I don't – there's too many things we don't know. Chris Ballard is on record as saying that character is an important aspect of what he looks at in a player. Virtually every franchise says this. Um, and I think for the most part the Colts have, have walked it. Uh, bringing in Kareem Hunt, if they were to sign him, does that immediately then – discredit Chris Ballard's claim that character matters? Well, look, I saw the video like everybody else. I mean, and I feel similarly to most people, I imagine. Uh, Pretty disgusting. Now, here's what I think Chris Ballard would say. This is just me guessing. What he would probably argue is that uh, when when you're dealing with these these bigger signings and, and more, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, cornerstone figures to your franchise. Those are the times when you really have to look at, um, look at the character and really make that a priority. He'll take chances on guys who are not sort of, you know, central to what the Colts are doing and, and aren't getting big contracts and, and things like that. I think that's why I think that's how he would rationalize it, Chris Ballard, if they were to sign Kareem Hunt. Now, do you think that's a contradiction? That's up to the individual, but I but I think that's what he would say that there's a difference between drafting a guy uh, with an early draft pick or or signing a free agent to a big contract. There's a difference between that and and bringing in a guy on sort of a you know, month-to-month basis or whatever it's going to so, be. I don't know. So character so matters depending upon how central a character they are on my roster. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, I don't know if everyone buys that, but, I, but he has kind of hinted at there being a little bit of a distinction in the past. So, again, 
that might be enough for some people and for others it might not. And, and so, I, But I do think for Chris Ballard, in terms of how he looks at it, I think that does play a bit of a role. Yeah, I don't really want to go down this path, but I, I, I do think if the Houston Texans wouldn't have been in the AFC South, you would have had the Colts pursuing Deshaun Watson pretty heavily yeah. um, for what it's worth if you're and again it's not again I don't want to get into comparing what Watson did to what Kareem Hunt did but correct um, I, I just want to point that out again Stephen well, Holder maybe just to just to piggyback I mean maybe it, another variable is just how desperate are you <laughs> right sure. so they certainly were desperate at quarterback I don't know if they're desperate at running back but they're sure, certainly in a pretty bad spot that's for sure Stephen Holder is with us here again, ESPN. Um, Stephen, going back to the Taylor situation, you mentioned you don't feel like the injury is you know super super severe by any means. Do you feel like let's say that Taylor had that ankle surgery, participated in the spring, is doing his normal song and dance, participating here in training camp? Do you think the Colts would still have this aggressive of a stance as they do, and seemingly not wanting to give him the multi-year extension? Hmm. You know, I I think yes, I, I do because this stance didn't happen, it didn't change because that because Jonathan Taylor showed up with an attitude, and so when you factor that in, this has been their stance for a while it seems because Jonathan Taylor was aware of where they stood when he reported for camp, and and so he, he was thinking about how he was going to approach this in the weeks leading up to training camp. So, so that, that determination had, had largely, it seems, by the Colts, been made already. So I think given that reality, I, I think given what we know about how, how the Colts were planning to handle this or how they were handling it before training camp, I don't know that they would suddenly have a big shift. Now, they might be more willing to engage, maybe, and, and, and maybe at least negotiate or at least – talk about some numbers because that hasn't happened that we know of. So maybe that's where it would be different, but I don't think they would be jumping up and down to give Jonathan Taylor a contract extension just because he showed up and was practicing. That's not, that's never what this was about. This was never about is Jonathan Taylor going to work with us or not. This was more about their strategy and their direction uh, for the next year. And, And ultimately that's what it would boil down to. Steven, I'm going to ask about a player that I don't know that we've talked a lot about. I'm curious to see if he's caught your eye at all. But people have asked me about it. I think it's a fair question. Uh, overall assessment at this point of Josh Downs. Josh Downs. I Listen, Josh Downs has juice, man, and you see that. You know, he's he's going to have to refine some things in his game, but, but I think that won't be hard for him. You know, he's the son of a coach, so he takes the coaching – he, he understands football at a high level, and and the other thing that has to happen, and this is this is something that takes time, is you got to build chemistry with the quarterbacks. So that's happening, and and he did miss some time, I believe, toward the end of the OTAs. I believe Kevin can confirm that. I think mm-hmm. yeah. so. Yeah. So I think that's you know, those, those are variables there. But look, Josh Downs is going to play a lot of snaps with his team. I mean, that's been my impression, and I just think he is the type of player in the scheme that they're going to run and particularly with the quarterback that they're, you know, eventually going to start in Anthony Richardson. I just think there's a lot of good fits there and Josh Downs really fits in well with all of that. 
Yeah, and I think Isaiah McKenzie more in that kind of gadgety role. It seems like they they really like moving him around yeah. the uh, the offense. Um, you think we'll see Shaquille Leonard, Stephen, play at all in the preseason? I, you know, again, I, I continue to be pretty amazed by his workload through the first nine days of training camp. But you know, a, a game is a little bit of a different animal. Do you think we'll see him any of these th- three preseason games? It's a tough call, I think, for the Colts. Forget about me. I think it's a tough call because, you know, we know what he's been through. We know how how important he is to the, to the team. But I'll, I'll just say this. I don't know what they're going to do. And I know that's not answering your question, but here's what I think. I think I'd put him out there, at least a little. I want to see. You have to know. Don't you need to know? I, I think you do. And he looks good in practice. We're seeing real progress. Like, this is the most progress we have seen, and certainly not, not this early in the season, from, from Shaq in, in two years. So this is real progress, and he's taking meaningful steps toward getting back to who he used to be. But I thought, <laughs> I thought we got a, a, dose of, a dose of reality, you know, this week in, in talking to his linebacker's coach. <laughs> so he said, look, you know, the, the question remains, is he going to be the guy he used to be? And I thought that is the most honest thing anyone has ever said. Yeah. About it's, this. It seems like we're, we're getting so far. I've been impressed by the quantity of the mm-hmm. reps he's gotten. Now it's time to look a little closer at the quality of those reps. If you catch my drift there. I mean, Oh yeah. We're still a month oh, yeah. out from the regular season. He's got to continue to knock off rust. I, I, in the brief, you know, moments that I've really focused in on him, I haven't seen like 2022 liability out there, but I haven't seen, you know, 2018 all pro. And obviously that's a huge gap between those two. But I do feel like in the coming weeks, and that's where the game reps potentially come into play, we start a little get more into the evaluation of the quality of how he looks. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and I think actual tackle football would tell you that or at least it would give you a better indicator. And, and here's the other benefit. I think Shaq would tell you he probably needs it and wants it. And, and because for him, he has admitted to us, I think, many times, multiple occasions, that so much of this is mental for him now. You know, he has been through a lot, and, and he has seen himself try and fail to get back to who he is. And so – I think the mental part of his game is even if it weren't for this injury, he is a very, he is very much a, a, a player who is driven by the mental aspects. And, 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 and I think for him doing it and having some success in the preseason could propel him potentially. So there's two benefits. The team gets to assess him and then Shaq can go out there, do it and, and be driven you know, by the potential success he could have in the preseason. I, I say if, if the trainers are good with it, I put them out there. You know, one of the guys we haven't talked about, um, Stephen, Stephen Holder's our guest. ESPN.com is where you can see his work. Paylessiger's hotline is where you're hearing his voice. Uh, running back Evan Hole, who out of Northwestern, we had him on the show shortly after he was drafted. And I don't think that anybody is under the assumption that – you know, a late round draft pick for a running back means that you are automatically going to get in there and get reps. But now all of a sudden, it's a position that does seem to have some need for Indianapolis. Has he gotten significant looks? And if so, he has looked in what way? Well, I think as a pass catcher, uh, he has all the potential in the world to be a legitimate third down back. You know, whether that happens this year, I don't know, but it, it could. Look, even if Jonathan Taylor comes back to the lineup, 
there's still room for a third down back. Jonathan Taylor, for all his talent, is is not always the best option on third down. I mean, his pass protection is, is his biggest weakness. And I love Jonathan Taylor, but that's a fact. I mean, we've seen it. his pass protection is at times poor, and, and that's something he's got to work on. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield and, and I think has the potential to be very productive doing that. I mean, we have seen him uh, take plays to the house by catching the ball as a checkdown option, but it's not the, the foremost part of his game. So there's room for, at least at times, a third down running back, and, and Evan Hull is it might be the best equipped to do it. I mean, you know, Deion Jackson is a is a good pass catcher and a very productive receiver from the, out of the backfield. I don't know if he has as much juice though as as Evan Hull, and that's where I, I wonder if if Hull is a better option. And we'll see. Well, he's got to do it with the first team offense on a consistent basis against the, the starting defense. You know, for us to know a little more. But but that is, I think, a real possibility. And, and, you know, we talk about you, – you just mentioned, Jake, him being a late-round pick, and I, I agree you don't make any assumptions about those guys. But but there's a couple of positions where late-round picks can immediately step in and play and, and get opportunity. And t- running back is one of them. Tight end, you know, safety, positions like that. You know, we, you can see guys step in as rookies despite not being highly drafted and have an immediate impact. And, and running back is at the top of that list for me. All right, Stephen, last one, and apologize to throw all these numbers at you. There's 12 quarters in the preseason, three games, four quarters each. If I threw the number of four and a half quarters at you, you think Anthony Richardson plays more or less than four and a half quarters in the preseason? Hmm, good question. I, hmm, you know, I, I'd like it to be slightly higher, personally. I, I really would. And, and I think there's a chance. Uh, the the question is, you know, like this weekend will tell us a lot. You know, do they do they want to be careful? Do they want to hide him? You know, and, and be sort of mysterious. I, I don't know, but this guy has played what? I mean, I, I think the number of starts he has at quarterback is like ridiculously low, and I'm talking about even going back to high school. You know, so you combine his college and high school college and high school starts at quarterback. It's not enough. And and so that we know that. That's his biggest issue. So there's nothing more important than snaps. Uh, that, it's frankly the reason I think they should be giving him more first-team snaps in practice. And I know they're not ready to commit to him as a starter. I get it. I'm, I'm probably being a little – I'm probably jumping the gun a little here, but you and I have talked about this. You know, at some point, look, Gardner Minshew is not – in this team's long-term plans. He might not be in their short-term plans, okay? So (laughs) at some point, it's getting to a point, I think, and we'll see what happens after this game. But it's getting to a point for me where if Anthony Richardson is is at least equal to Gardner Minshew, then you play Anthony Richardson. And every rep that Minshew takes with the first-team offense is a rep that Anthony Richardson doesn't get with Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce and, and that offensive line. That is that ultimately doesn't help his development. Steven, here's my last question. The year is 2026. I call you on the phone one Friday evening, Saturday, Saturday evening in December, and I go, hey, I've got an extra Pacer ticket. You want to go to the game? And you say, ooh. Let's go to the Vogue. 
<laughs> Let's go to too short again. No, you say, ooh, I'd love to, except for that I'm going to go watch my alma mater Miami play in their conference championship game in football. And I go, that's cool. What conference is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. The Big East? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a mess. 2026, huh? Listen, I... At this point, I, I, here's what I know. At this point, can we just like divide the country up into like divisions and just have everybody just play? <laughs> just you know what? It's going to end up being. I, I'm not kidding you. It's going to end up being the big. The Big Ten's going to be the big, or the Big Tens, and it's going to be 20 teams, and then the yeah. Big Twelve, and I'm trying to think who the Big Twelve has kind of like aligned with here. But yeah. there, there are going to be basically two forty-team conferences, and if you're not in one, and and the national champion is going to come in the championship game between those two super conferences, and I'm talking like five to ten years down the road. But that's yeah, my prediction. I, you know, you know, Miami in being in the ACC, and I guess Florida State's been making some noise. Like they're not, they're not totally thrilled about some things going on in the ACC or something. I mean, look, I don't love Florida State. I'll tell you that. But look, they can't lose. Florida State, the ACC. So, look, it, I have no faith that the ACC is going to be around in three years. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> this, at least certainly not in a, from a football perspective. I don't know where this is going, but it's it's a lot. I can't even get my head around it. Steven, enjoy the day off. Just be glad you're not having to deal with that chaos just purely as a fandom. You've got enough on your plate from a work standpoint right now. So thanks for the time this morning, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, guys. Talk soon. Steven Holder. Hi. <laughs> That's a great song. You know they're German, by the way. You feel like I've seen them in concert before. The Scorpions? Yeah. Where the hell did you yeah, see they the were Scorpions? At Summerfest in Milwaukee yeah. like ten years ago. That's pretty cool. You feel like Miami hasn't been mentioned as much as some of the others. I totally. And, 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 and Miami was for a brief moment there. Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and Carolina were the four that were mentioned. You know, a lot of people think Carolina's going to end up in the Big Ten. And has the SEC been, like, eerily quiet with all of this? Yes. I mean, Oklahoma, Texas, of course, were the big splashes. But have you heard – I have not heard a single, like, legitimate SEC rumor I've heard as of late. Clemson, Miami, SEC. But again, I'm telling you, like, it's all going to be – I sound like I'm some QAnon, like, great storm. It's all going to work out in the end. The plan is all there. It's all happening. Quite the way to end the segment. Uh, we'll chat some when is Colts it here coming up. I promise soon. you we'll talk some Colts here coming it up. It didn't happen. It will. Things and are constantly changing. The 9 o'clock hour. He is, of course, Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton. On a beautiful Wednesday, Kevin Quarry, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Kevin, I'm going to ask you a 1 to 10 question. You ready? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
on a scale of one to ten, how serious do you take the possibilities that the Colts would sign Kareem Hunt? I mean, I think if you're bringing the guy in for a visit, and if you base this off of Diana Rossini, ESPN's report yesterday that the Colts called the Hunt camp and said, hey man, we'll offer you more money, and he left New Orleans very abruptly once he heard that information, boy, I would think it's, I don't know, 7, 8? If you're willing to bring a guy in for a visit, I'd say there is an element of you're willing to sign him. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe you want to look him in the eye. Maybe you want to chat with him. Obviously, he how old is he? Is he 28, 29, something like 29. that? 29. You know, obviously, he's a 29-year-old running back, so I would think you'd want to get your own eyes on him from a physical standpoint. But I, It would be a very, very, very hard sell for me, and I would be extremely critical of it. And that's not because... I dislike the Colts. It's not it's not because I dislike you know I don't know Chris Ballard. I mean but or or for that matter Jim Ursay. I have a great appreciation for a lot of things about Jim Ursay. But the reality is this. Every team, Kevin, every team. You talk to fans, you go to an Arizona Diamondbacks game. You go to a Winnipeg Jets game. You go to a Atlanta Hawks game and you ask the fans, what do you like about your franchise? Well, aside from the fact that my dad rooted for me, yada, yada, yada. You know, I just like the fact that they're, they're, they, they, they always have character. They're good players. They're, you know, they're good people. They're, they're good players, but they're better people off the field. That's always, every franchise sells that, every one of them. And I, I get it. But the Colts do it a lot. And Chris Ballard in particular does it a lot. He is on record of saying, listen, Character is the is the top thing. Like we bring people into this locker room that character counts. Character matters. I get it. I get that because Kareem Hunt, you know, one incident in in one mistake, one error in judgment in somebody does not a life make. I get it. But there is a video of Kareem Hunt physically assaulting a woman and kicking her while she's on the ground in a hotel room. After she had just banged her head on the wall because you charged at her. Correct. It is disgusting, and in my opinion, it's inexcusable. Does that mean that that should go against Kareem Hunt for the rest of his life? I guess we live in a world, do we not, where you get second chances and forgiveness. I understand that. But does that mean that that should follow him for the rest of his career? Yeah, probably. Especially in a sport that preaches until the cows come home and stands to anybody that will listen that it is doing everything it can to recapture the image that it had before ray rice and before ray lewis and other and i realize ray lewis was never charged or acquitted or whatever it might be but there are indiscretions that are out there in the national football league but the indianapolis colts tell us that character matters if character matters then the Kansas City Chiefs, the team where Chris Ballard worked when Kareem Hunt had yet to become, matter of fact, I take that back, as a, as a rookie, he led the league in rushing, and yet the Kansas City Chiefs, that video was enough for Kansas City to instantaneously, without hesitation, part ways with them and say, we don't want you around our franchise. So why have the Colts put themselves in a position where they're willing to 
take on Kareem Hunt, not because they're willing to forgive and give second chances, but because they put themselves in a position where their franchise running back that they were counting on for whatever reason is deciding to rehabilitate his ankle elsewhere and doesn't want to be around here because he's not getting paid and you had taken him in the second round and now all of a sudden he wants a contract and he doesn't have that contract and what you're having to do now is compromise the scruples and the principles that you have professed to anybody that would listen. This is from Jeff Duncan real quick. Uh, He's a reporter and news person out in New Orleans. He posted this nine minutes ago on Twitter. I'm told the amount of guaranteed money was the difference between the Saints and Colts offers for Kareem Hunt. The total amounts were similar, but the Saints deal was backloaded with incentives. Money wasn't the issue. So there wasn't that big of a gap in money. It was just the difference in incentives. You know, I I said this in the opening segment, and I'll continue to say say it again in regards to Hunt. I mean, the Colts were embarrassing enough off the field last year, compounding it by signing a guy that beats up women. Um, It's a bad look. I was, bad look is honestly putting it at look. such a low, low totem pole, Jake. I mean, it's it'd be it'd be such a pathetic move by Chris Ballard um, and Jim Mersey. I mean, Jim Mersey with three. Imagine one of your three daughters is that woman on the ground as Cream Hunt is kicking her. And again, there are people holding Cream Hunt back in this video. That doesn't stop him. There are people trying to get him to calm down. That does not stop him. The rage in him to charge at her, again, hitting her head on the wall. And then, you know, in typical famous person versus 19-year-old woman, you know, you lawyer up and and you're able to continue your NFL career. Jake, we've watched the NFL for a long time. you got to do something pretty darn bad to be suspended by the NFL for eight games. Correct. Bingo. Bingo. Kareem Hunt, suspended by the NFL for eight games. He lied to the Chiefs originally. No one is forcing you to sign him. No one is forcing you to work him out. There are a lot of running backs on the streets right now. And again, if we want to talk about Kareem Hunt as a football player, it's not like his career is on this trajectory of going in the right direction. And I know that's maybe not even worthy of the discussion, but it's not like you are signing Saquon Barkley here. I mean, they already have one player, Kevin, that is going to miss three games because of a league or penalty for an off-season fight in a hotel. Yeah. I mean, let's just, hey, that guy needs a roommate. He needs Lamont's somebody to hang out with. Yeah, for, for those unfamiliar with, with that story, we'll, we'll see if he makes the team. But yes, he is right now on, on their roster. Um Chris Lamont's cornerback, he was with the Alvin Kamara incident in Vegas as well from earlier this year where they beat up, I believe it was another male. Um, and yeah, he has been suspended. He can still participate in camp right now, suspended for three games. And, you know, Alex asked us earlier, Jake, and to be fair to Alex, he certainly clarified with the statement of, you know, what Kareem Hunt did was disgusting and never should have happened, all of that. Um he then added as well, he didn't have a record of that prior to the incident and hasn't had another one. So at what point do we agree that people deserve a second chance? I'll raise my hand, Jake. I apologize if my moral compass should be better and should have more remorse and should honor a second chance. Uh, when I see the video of another man attacking a woman like that, I draw the line and say, you don't need a second chance to play football in the NFL for the Indianapolis Colts. That, that, that's my thought. Again, no one is forcing the Colts to do any of this. Kareem Hunt can still live his life, certainly. But if you're going to stand up and have all this character in, in, that's it. in, in X amount of years, you're going to be run by you know three daughters. 
what? Here's here's my thought. Okay, it's this simple. The Indianapolis Colts have more often than not, when they discuss personnel issues, they profess their priority of character and discipline within a player on and off the field being one of the first things to which they look. And for the most part, they have backed that up. Fine. And appreciated. But if they go and sign a player that a lot of teams, not all, but seemingly a lot of teams have stayed away from, and a player that the NFL determined was involved in something that deemed being suspended for half a season, and it is against a woman. There, there are a few things that are more egregious and disgusting that you can see, and in particular, visible evidence of it, than a man using his physical strength and brute to overpower and injure a woman. There's no okay? self-defense there, by the way. This was Kareem Hunt attacking her. Correct. So... If the Colts decide that that from a football schematic X's and O's standpoint, it is in their best interest to take advantage of his available service, that is their absolute right as a football franchise. But in doing so, they are 100% compromising their own integrity in professing to people that character is the first thing they look at. They are then no longer a franchise that you can trust what they say to you. It's that simple. And if they want to make that decision to put on the football field a team that has a better chance of winning games, that is absolutely their business prerogative. And it's the business prerogative of other people to say, since you decided to make that move after telling me that character counts, I have decided that I don't believe anything you say. It's just kind of wild to me that Chris Bauer would even entertain this. Like, wasn't the on-field product embarrassing enough for your franchise, and now you're potentially going to bring this upon yourself? For a guy that averaged, Mark, can you look that up? What did Kareem Hunt average yards per carry last year? I want to say it was like 3.8. Again, I, I feel bad almost bringing his football card into it. But, like, if you're willing to do that, what else are you willing to do? Yeah, he had uh, 100... Uh, 23 carries last season for 468 yards, an average of 3.8 yards per carry, three touchdowns. You know, it kind of goes back to Jake. Um, they painted themselves into that corner to an extent, though. You remember the pass rusher they had late last season who they cut for like breaking curfew? Odeniabo. Yeah. Remember that name? Yeah. He was a nice player for him last season. He was probably one of the few individual bright spots. So what you're saying, potentially by signing Kareem Hunt, is you're saying, you beat a woman, you can play football. You break curfew, you can't play for us. Right. I mean, what the... F- <laughs> I mean, not to... Well, again, I go back to, apparently character only matters depending on how central a character you are on the roster. But again, they right? would... they And again, I, I don't want to compare Hunt's actions to Deshaun Watson's actions. Jake, they wanted to go after Deshaun Watson. They wanted to pursue him, 1,000%. They wanted to go after him. They thought time would cure all. They thought winning would cure all. They thought the story would eventually get swept under the rug. If Deshaun Watt and if the Houston Texans were in the AFC South, I think they would have tried to very aggressively go after Deshaun Watson. You think so? 1,000%. 1,000%.
You don't think the daughters would have had something to say about it? They would have aggressively pursued. Maybe you get to the end of the line and maybe the daughters step in and say something, but people that matter in that organization for decision-making wanted to go after them. I will say this. There are a lot of indiscretions that I would say, you know, the player is so good that maybe fans will overlook that. This is the one that I don't think it matters how good or how bad. In his prime, Kareem Hunt was a great player, no doubt about it. That video to me is such that I would be disappointed in people that are willing to overlook that to have them on their football team from a fan standpoint. And I think the Colts are underestimating in this market the way that the fan base would react to that. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I I don't consider myself one of these people that, you know, to Alex's original question, the ask of like, yeah, I, I think, you know, there are incidents in life that deserve second chances. You know, I'm not going to act like I'm some, you know, moral standard here, but I draw the line at trying to beat up a woman and your actions leading to her hitting the wall, hitting her head, and then watch the video. I mean, she's on the ground and you kick her. Yeah, the only thing that stops him probably from beating that woman into a serious situation were the other people around, right? And he still went through those people to do this. I mean, he got through them eventually. Did Jeff Duncan mention anything, Mark, about like Colt's visit or anything? It seems like we haven't heard anything just yet on, you know, visit signing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm checking to see. No, his last tweet was 18 minutes ago, and it was the one I said that the difference in the Colts' offer and the Saints' offer was that the Saints' offer had more backloaded incentives to it where the Colts didn't. Uh, Yesterday at Colts practice, them going after running backs right now, that certainly makes sense. Yesterday at practice, they did not have a single running back participate who was on the football team last year. They had four healthy running backs yesterday. One was on the couch last week. One has two NFL carries, and the other two guys are an undrafted rookie and a fifth-round pick. I like the guy that was on the couch. Kenyon Drake? He probably was working out, to be fair, but uh, was not on. Gives hope for all of us. Not on a roster. Are you a couch guy? Do you lay on the couch? Uh, I do. Yeah, a I mean, recliner. Are you more of a couch or recliner? No, we we do not have recliner. I've seen your 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 uh, your recliner via Zoom, and it looks like a very nice one. It I looks two, like yeah. one that's almost molded your body. Totally. I have a recliner that I've had for a long time, and then I have a a, a soft leather one, and then just like an old fashioned lazy boy recliner, which is the best. Now, for our audience that is unfamiliar, will you fill them in on your endeavors tonight? Uh, tonight, as a matter of fact, coming up here in about five and a half hours or so, I will be leaving with my buddy Michael Weir, who is the lead singer of The Elect. If you've never seen The Elect perform locally, especially at the Rathskeller, it is the best. Um, we are going up to Wrigley to see Bruce Springsteen in Chicago. I am, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being diehard, I'm a, my Bruce Springsteen fandom, I'd say it's more of an appreciation for him, would be like maybe a 6. But... I've always heard that he's a fabulous performer. I, you know, realize that he's getting up there in age, and I've always wanted to see him. So I called Michael, and I'm like, hey, you want to go? So we decided we bought two tickets, and we're going to drive up tonight and go. And then Bob Kravitz apparently is a huge Springsteen fan. So Kravitz is like, hey, I'll go. And I said, well, Bob, I already bought two tickets for Michael and I, but if you want to buy one near our section – so Kravitz wrote me back and said, hey, I, I did go online and buy one near your section, so I'm good. So we are picking up Bob on the way, and we're going to go up into Wrigleyville and probably have dinner and grab a beer and go watch the boss and then drive back. First night of his tour, too. 
That's a pretty big. Is show. it really? Yeah, first it's, it was U.S. Uh, leg. Yeah. Is it really? Uh huh. Okay. No mega bus. No mega bus. They still do that. I always feel like it flips over. <laughs> does seem like the only time you hear about the mega bus it's like people it took 17 hours from chattanooga to louisville on the mega bus the bathroom goes, stopped working there goes that endorsement they had no water now that happened to dave matthews their, their mega bus well, they had, no they didn't run out of water that they anniversary dumped, they dumped their water on that everybody anniversary else. was two days ago wasn't it why is this rain why is this rain yellow what's going on here that was not that it was a mudslide no. <laughs> oh my I'm, god i'm just saying you know what i mean so mark you and i up there colts practice tomorrow yep yeah should be fun Get getting ten, up bright and early 10 a.m start time for colts practice just an hour-long session uh this is one of two morning practices left it'll be thursday and tuesday morning and then um you've got wednesday and thursday colts and bears those joint practices six to 8 p.m., which I guess, Mark, you'll be back out there more as a fan, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Taking yeah. in the Bears. Two. We're uh, healthy for the Bears right now. I am curious, like, the I've type heard, of... I've heard the uh, the offense has had their ups and downs days like like most teams. I've heard that their defense has been looking very good. Their, their back... Everybody se- says that. Their Every back team. seven has been outstanding. Every team's whatever. like, oh, the linebackers flying around making plays. Defense looks great. Jaquan okay. Brisker, uh, second-year guy, has been outstanding, they said. You know, something that I mentioned to Rick Venturi when we had him on yesterday, but I do think it's worth watching this Saturday, in particular this joint practice. Obviously, not everything that happens in a preseason game, you know, means okay. This is exactly going to be the story that we see during the season. And same thing with the joint practices. But I think last year you saw in that preseason opener, Frank Reich played his starters in the preseason opener. Buffalo did not. Probably makes sense when you consider the two teams. Buffalo was coming off a pretty good year. Their starters are pretty accomplished in the league. The Colts were coming off a very poor end to the previous season. They haven't won, still haven't won, a season opener in now, I guess it's a decade, right? Um, When you factor in those things, Frank Reich wanted to play his starters. So he played them for a couple series in Buffalo, and the Colts got handled, particularly in the trenches offensively. And that was their starting offensive line. And then the joint practices happened that next week with the Lions. They came to Grand Park, and that Detroit defensive line group had their way with the Colts offensive line. And, you know, hindsight, of course, is super 2020. That ended up being a precursor to the entire season. And, and one of the biggest storylines of last season was the the just sheer disappointment in your offensive line play. So, as we look at it Saturday afternoon, as we look at it, the joint practices next week, again, not all of it is 1,000% gospel to what's going to happen in the season. But last year, your biggest issue was seen in that preseason opener and those joint practices. Boy, you guys talked about that yesterday, right? I mean, Venturi said that right away, right? Like, they got manhandled last year. Oh, you had like, you had some pressure issues, some short yardage issues in Buffalo. You had a false start and a fourth and one. Just even, like even the practices, little things, right? and, and especially the joint practices with the Lions. So, I do think when you hear, I know it sounds a lot like coach speak about how much coaches look forward to the joint practices and feel like they are good evaluations. I think there is some evidence of that by the way um it does you know he didn't say this outright we'll see if he offers an answer tomorrow it sounds like shane steichen is going to play some starters coming up on saturday remember only three preseason games now we've gone from four to three 
Thank the Lord. Mark, if you were to buy, if someone were to buy for you as a Bears fan, if someone were to say to you, we're going to get you a Bears sweatshirt, uh-huh. would you, if you got to design it, which logo would you go with? The Roaring Bear or the letter C? Probably the Roaring Bear. If it's just a t-shirt, it stands out more. Probably that one. Have they ever done helmets with the Roaring no, Bear on I would say they would. I think that'd be a great alternate idea. I mean, it's a great look. The, the Roaring Bear is great, right? Yeah. Do that one. What's the Bears over under, Mark? want to say it's Okay, like, here we go. Six and a half. Oh, I hope it's higher than that. It is a 17-game season. Uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Kev, do you have a guess? Yeah, I'd probably hover right around that. Okay, let me pull it up. You guys banter for a second. Is, my, is Detroit my... the betting favorite in that division? I believe so, yeah. Yes. Over Minnesota? Mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see Jordan Love this year. Bears over under. What was your pick? Well, I went with six and a half initially, and then you poo pooed that, so I went to seven and a half. Kev? Yeah, I'll, I'll go seven and a half. You guys are correct. Over under seven and a half wins. I would say over. Not really? by much, but I would say over. What's the Packers over under? Packers over under, I'll go five and a half. Kev? Oh, I think it's got to be a little higher, right? New quarterback? They are surprisingly optimistic in Green Bay despite the new quarterback over under seven and a half, same yeah. as the Bears. Okay, Lions over under. I'll go ten and a half. Go Ooh. nine and a half. Kevin with the winner. Over under nine and a half for them. Okay, let's oh. do AFC South real quick. Well, while we're doing Minnesota Vikings over under eight and a half. Oh, there you go. Okay, uh, AFC South. You ready? It seems like Minnesota is the team that people are saying they were the darling last year and now they won't make the playoffs. Right. Whereas uh, the Lions are the darling. Uh, Tennessee. Ten and a half for Tennessee. Oh, Kev? Uh, seven and a half. Eight and a half. Kevin was right the first time. Over under seven and a half. Okay. Um, oh, ja- I forgot about Jacksonville. Jacksonville, nine and a half. I think that's pretty accurate. Ding, ding. Okay. Uh, Houston, five and a half. Yeah, that, that that it was either that or four and a half for yeah. me. Six and a half. Really? really? Yeah. No, it's because they get the Colts twice. Uh, Colts? Same, we, as, the, we same as the Texans. Six, six and a half. I, I I do think on paper, I know I mentioned this in the schedule came out, and again, this has nothing to do with the Colts, just strictly looking at the schedule. You're the best quarterback that comes to Lucas Oil Stadium, Trevor Lawrence or Matthew Stafford. Do we consider Trevor Lawrence or Matthew Stafford a top six quarterback in the league? Lawrence top is eight heading there. Lawrence is considered top eight, I think, by a lot of people. Boy, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that just yet. But basically what I'm getting at is you aren't playing Mahomes, Hurts, and Herbert like you did last year at home. And right. then your toughest road environment, Foxborough's been moved to Frankfurt, Germany. I'd, I'd call that a win. Uh, what, at Baltimore, at Cincinnati? Can you imagine the fan bases in Baltimore and Cincinnati looking at that 1 o'clock game with the Colts this year? They're like, oh yeah, that's that, that's the game you can give the tickets away to the neighbor right. who's never been to a game. By the way, we need to do that again for preseason. When's the first Colts home, home preseason game? A week from Saturday, August nineteenth. Um, I'll have to get with it. We had uh, people were great with that last year. Where where I'm going to do that again this year? Um, if you cannot go to and, and I'll have it set up, so don't do it yet. But what we did last year was I set up via email where you could transfer your tickets to me, and I had three different groups around town where we donated the preseason tickets for. 
underprivileged kids and mentors that would take them to the game. So kids that wouldn't normally get a chance to go to a Colts game or an NFL game. And I did it through, I think, three different schools in the area, and people were great about it. Yeah, but certainly. So I need to do it again. Because we probably did, I'll bet all told, over the course of the preseason, we probably did, I don't know. Because they had two home preseason games yeah, last we, year. I'll bet we did 350 or 400 kids got to go to games. And just email, right? Yeah, people would just forward me the the email and electronically, and then I was forwarding it to the different groups that I got in touch with. Let's definitely do that again. Also, uh, before that game, you've got our Georgia Street tailgate from 4 to 7. Music kicks off with a live DJ at the Jack Daniels tailgate stage when gates open. Free entry. All ages are welcome. So even if you're not going to that game, just a fun thing to do. That is Heck a yeah. week from Saturday, August And the weather will be great. For that one. All right, speaking of weather, the State Fair continues to go on. We will give away a four pack of tickets to the State Fair here on today's pop quiz 317 239 1070 for that. Let's do a morning check down. Watch this. I'm going to give every major league result last night. You ready? Here we go. Skip the Reds. Marlins over the Reds 3 2. It was the Cubs well, over the Mets 3 2. Uh, Phillies and Nationals split a doubleheader. Braves over the Pirates 8 6. Rockies over the, the Brewers. Dodgers beat the Diamondbacks. Rays over the Cardinals. Angels over the Giants. Mariners over the Padres. Rangers bested Oakland. Kansas City 9 3 winners over Boston. Cute fella on the short end 7 6 over Houston. They didn't fire anybody over it. Detroit 6 0 over Minnesota. Yankees 7 1 over the White Sox. And the Cleveland Guardians 1 0 over the Toronto Blue Jays. Indianapolis Indians 9 8 short end. They lose to the Nashville South. We are getting dangerously close to me just handing you a six pack of beer because your Orioles and my Diamondbacks, the gap has grown. It's like 13 games. <laughs> you need to do that sooner or later, man. So Kev, Kev, you guys Kev failed to mention the A's a lot of times when you just talk about. I feel like you guys are in like a club. I believe just, I just said the Oakland Athletics, well, I, Kevin. I know, but I you, mentioned you guys them. talk about the Orioles and the Diamondbacks. I got them in there. They are 50 games under five. They lost to the Rangers 6 1. Club here. 32 and 82. I'm going to go tell Mrs. Jones on you guys. 32 wins. You're not including me at recess. 82 losses, and it's early August. (laughs) Day game for the Reds today. Johnny Cueto on the mound for the Marlins. Uh, Cubs are at night. Brewers day game as well. Again, one and a half back. The Brewers and the, or excuse me, the Reds and the Cubs. Uh, Fever loss last night to the Sparks. Are they tanking for Caitlin Clark? Should they? If they aren't, they should be right now. Why not? You know what? Somebody asked me this when we were at the Iowa race. Caitlin Clark was there. She was the honorary starter. Dallas Clark was there as well. And somebody said, hey, are they related? Like, you know what? I never thought of that. Could they be? I saw her golf swing. She was uh, in the pro in the John Deere Classic. She look, I mean, she looks like a I mean, hell of an athlete. The Fever currently have the worst record in the WNBA. The Seattle Storm right behind them, 7-21. and 21. Impossible question to answer, I, I assume, Jake. But I'll throw this to you because... I think your brain could probably conjure something up here. The Fever draft Caitlin Clark. Mm-hmm. How many season ticket members for the Indiana Fever next season? Boy, how many additional would they get? What would be the total number of season ticket holders? I have no idea what that number well, is what right got? now. Oh, we'll do over under again. Fifteen hundred. Yeah, thousand was the first number that popped into my head. I don't know. Does Caitlin? I mean, is, is Caitlin Clark like viewed as? I think she's Steph Curry ish. I yes. mean, even Steph entering the league. To be fair, it's not like he was the number one overall pick. Dealt with some ankle issues early on. Or should they draft Angel Reese? Angel Reese is the other one that's mentioned for sure. 
Um, my buddy Bart just said Clark will probably stay for her COVID year. Does she get an additional? Does she have oh two years gosh. of eligibility left? I hate to say, I'm kind the of the amount dumb. of money she's making at Iowa. She said she's like, yeah, I'm great to be here because I partnered with High V. Like, I feel like the COVID year is impacting this transfer portal so much. Yeah, like everyone's got the extra year, the free ah, year. There's like 37 year old players yeah. places. Why well, is using his COVID year? Colts okay. drafted a 24 year old safety this past year. Speaking of the Colts, no practice today. Back at it tomorrow, 10 a.m. The start time there. That's the final practice of the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week to round things out. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Four pack of tickets to the state fair up for grabs. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, four pack of tickets to the State Fair. We've been doing that here for the last couple of weeks on the pop quiz. Have you taken a gander at it? I have not yet. Scotty, difficulty 1 to 10? Scotty says an 8. If When Scotty says an 8, that usually means impossible. <laughs> Why, though? Why 8? Why so tough? And I'm looking at it. This might be like the shortest asking question pop quiz we've had. Good. In a while here. Um, but, yeah, now I'm scrolling through the answers. I'm like, uh, dear Lord. At least I get the four pack to the state fair. Uh, number one through eight, Jake. Uh, I'm going to go with number three. Number three, Jake's favorite number. That's right. Maybe the number of encore songs from. How many people traveling in the car with you today? Oh, the boss today. Nice, yeah, yeah. Uh, who we got, Mark? Q. Q. What's going on, fellas? My Q. Man. How you been, man? I can't complain. I got air in my lungs. Q, you wanted me to to bring some Quack Daddy donuts, and then we could just sit around and talk basketball at the gas station, right? Oh yeah, like old times, two thousand eight, <laughs> maybe. Hey, by the way, how, how's the health? Man, the health is great. The health is great. Okay, good. Can't complain, like I said. That's no. what I, that's what I like to hear, man. I don't know how much Q is willing to share, but Jake, didn't you visit Q a little bit ago? Am I am I imagining things here? I did, and then we went to the Pacer. We went to the Pacer game together. Who'd they play at the Pacer game? Q, do you remember? It was the Pelicans. That's right. Um, and then it was Gatorade. I dropped off some Gatorade for Q. That's what it was. I think it was like gall. What would you have, Q? Not to be too personal here on the radio, but you had like gallbladder. Is that what it was? We'll throw I the hip out my, the window. Uh, <laughs> gallbladder removed. Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> There you go. Gosh, now that it says that, I had a dream last night that I was told I have to have my tonsils removed. Do you still have your tonsils? I do. Obviously. Uh, KB, you're a little too old to be having your tonsils removed. <laughs> Where are we at on wisdom teeth? You, you, you got you, Wisdom teeth? Did you Remember right before I started with you guys, I had all four of them yanked it? out. You brought that up earlier today? No Novocaine. Yeah. So proud of myself. 
<laughs> or not no Novocaine, no, uh, sorry, no anesthesia. Picturing the teeth right next to the cologne. Oh, I have the on his desk. There. I have the photo here somewhere. I'll bring it up. Q, congrats on the four pack of tickets. Appreciate you calling and uh, good luck, Jake. You want to throw number one at Q? All right, here we go. Question number one for EQ. Think about Kevin and I. That'll help you out here. Which Major League Baseball team has recorded the most home runs by a rookie this season? The Rangers, the Diamondbacks, the Orioles, or the Reds? Uh, let's go with the Reds. All right. All right, number two here. Ramon Laureano made his debut with the Guardians, a memorable one, as he drove in the game's only run in a 1-0 victory over the Blue Jays last night. Who was the last player to drive in the only RBI in a 1-0 game in his debut with the team? A, Laureano. B, Shohei Otani. C, Spencer Steer. Or D, Akil Badu. Uh, let's go with C. Spencer Steer. You want another guess of that, Q? Uh, y'all said it was impossible, so let's go B. I don't think it's so, uh, Otani, though, but let's go B, as in boy. You don't think it's Otani, but you're going to guess that? Yep, let's go, because I know you guys are on the time limit. <laughs> you sounds right. like our boss. I'm already a winner. So, hey. <laughs> sounds like our boss here. All right, Q, question number three. The Tigers, Miguel Cabrera. Had a fourth-inning single in Detroit's win over the Twins yesterday. That ties Tony Gwynn for 20th place all-time on the MLB's hit list. He would add another single in the eighth to move into 19th place in a tie. Who did he tie for 19th on the all-time hits list? Like Gwynn, this player also wore uniform number 19 in his career, by the way. Uh, Paul Wehner, Robin Yount, A-Rod, or George Brett? Uh, let's go, George Bray. Mark's over here laughing. It's the eighth to move to nineteenth, and then twentieth. It's like, yeah, okay. Did I tell you, I went to a wedding uh, a couple years ago, and the officiant was George Brett. Really? Did I tell you guys that story? Uh, we can talk about it offline. All right, number four here. The Colts opened the pre, and then George Brett's wife broke her arm after the wedding. It was very um, wow. Yeah, it was quite the same. Put scene. some pine tar on it, and <laughs> the Colts go nuts. <laughs> Colts opened the preseason Saturday in Buffalo against the Bills. This will be the tenth preseason game between the two teams, with the Bills holding a six-three edge. Three of those games were played in Buffalo, with five being played in Indianapolis. Where was the other game played? Q, was it Baltimore, Mexico City, Toronto, or London? Toronto. Oh, wow. Toronto. Uh, can I get a clue? Jake has visited this place frequent. well, recently, I should say. If you listened Toronto. to the show earlier, I was talking about coming back from the city with Doug Bowles. Uh, Toronto. Okay. Uh, last question for you. Sunday's running of the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard will be the third NASCAR Cup Series race to be run on the IMS road course. Tyler Reddick is the reigning race winner, but who won the first NASCAR Cup race on the road course? He also had a chance to win the Indy 500 if he didn't have a loose belt when he was driving for Roger Penske. And his first name is famous at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for another guy. Uh, is it Reddick, A.J. Allmendinger, William Byron, or Denny Hamlin? Uh, let's go Denny Hamlin. The winner was super emotional. I remember that afterwards. Yeah. This guy was very, very emotional. Cool to see. All right, uh, Q, congrats on the four-pack. Unfortunately, Scotty's eight rating of the pop quiz lived up to the hype here. 
Uh, uh, Reds was correct. And then C. four and yeah. five. Let's go! Four, I should say. It was the only other. Toronto was correct. Yes! A.J. Allmendinger was the winner the first year for the NASCAR road course. Uh, Loriano was the answer for question number two. And Robin Yount. Robin Yount for question number three. You By the way, Kevin, uh, you'd mentioned it. I, I don't know if I ever shared that with you. I'm very proud of that. That's a horrifying picture. What do you mean? Mark? Showed us his wisdom teeth there. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, people might want to see that on the. Uh-huh. Now we're gonna get flagged well, on YouTube. What was the reason for waiting so long into your life? I mean, so excellent question. Honestly, um, when I was literally, and I remember exactly where it is. If you've ever driven on seventy west, and you go kind of around downtown Kansas City, just as you make the bend and you're crossing into Kansas from Missouri, when I was a f- going for my freshman year of college, I literally said like, "Ow, oh, man." Like my the back of my mouth hurts. My mom's like, I'll bet your wisdom teeth are coming in. And I'm like, yeah. And so she said, well, I mean, you're getting ready to go to your freshman year of college. Like maybe when you come home, we can look at like getting them taken out. And I just never did. Mm-hmm. And so I never had any problem with them. And then as you get older, of course, you, you know, it's impossible to like brush back there or whatever. And finally a dentist's like, look, you really should get these removed. So I have a buddy that is an oral surgeon. And I called him and said, look, can you do this? And he said, I, yeah, I can do it. I'll just do it at the end of one of my work days. And I said, well, and because mine were fully erupted. So, all the, I mean, it was not hard for him to pull them out. And I said, well, he goes, look, just, and he told me his favorite beer. He goes, bring a case of beer for me for afterwards. And I went in and I said, look, I do not want to be knocked out because I'm going to drive myself home. And he goes, okay. Mm-hmm. And he Novocaine the heck out of my mouth. And I sat there. I put in my earbuds. I listened to two Oasis songs and heard, I could hear him pulling and yanking. And then he packed the heck out of my mouth with gauze and I drove home. And, and like, I ate a peanut butter sandwich like two days later. I'm very proud of that fact. And then you started the show. And then I started the show a week later. Yep. Look at that. Unbelievable toughness. <laughs> what can I Adversity. say? Adversity. Character. We have some character questions potentially about the Colts, but none right here. That's right. With RJ Query. That's right. Uh, Dedication. Right, we'll round it out one final time here. Kevin and Query on a Wednesday. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, again, no Colts camp today. Uh, as we look ahead to this weekend, you know, Thursday is the final practice of the week. Uh, nothing at Grand Park this weekend. The Colts are off to Buffalo. They'll fly out there Friday. First preseason game is Saturday afternoon. And we had Doug Bowles on earlier. Jake, I'm sure it's probably easy for you to think back to it, but isn't it kind of wild that this is the 30th? NASCAR weekend oh, it's, at IMS. No, it's totally wild. And, and, and I don't know, and I know that we've had this conversation at nauseum, but like, it is, Scotty's standing here, so he'll vouch for me on this. You've heard us talking about it as, we, you know, we're like the two old guys at the end of the Muppets. Uh, it, it is impossible 
impossible to overstate for people that were not around at the time how massive the Brickyard 400 was for the first, what would you say, Scotty, first eight years it was around? Well, or those early attendance years. I mean, 250 to 300 easily. Really? Full capacity. I Gosh, mean, that's hard to imagine. And, Kevin, it was more so this. In the early years of the Brickyard, there was an event going on every day of the week. The Dodge drivers on the circle on Monday and the Ford Fan Fest at the Dome on Tuesday and Tony Stewart appearing at Menards or not Menards at Home Depot on Wednesday. And I mean, there was something and, and I'm talking thousands of people showing up at these things. Yeah. And then practice itself. I, I mean, on Friday, I, I mean, tens of thousands of people that were swarmed up against the fences to take pictures. I mean, it was total insanity it was beatlemania it was crazy yeah i mean you had chase briscoe yesterday at colt's practice and like you know i think it was alec pierce and like mo alley cox went over and said hi i don't know if there was some sort of you know jersey swap or whatever it was but it's like you know if that would have been 1994 i i have a feeling you know i don't know would have harbaugh or whoever the biggest name for the colts was back then would have been the one going over to the NASCAR driver oh, Dale Earnhardt in that sense. Yeah. Whereas, you know, yesterday, and again, I know maybe Chase Briscoe isn't atop the NASCAR fame right now, but it's, you know, what's now, what's what's Pierce and Mo Alley-Cox? You know, 15th and 20th most important call? I, I don't even know if Mo is that high. Just, you can clearly see that, you know, it's nowhere near what it was. Uh, you know, I remember one of my blazed in my mind memories of the early NASCAR years. Blazed um, is in... I was going to say. What does that mean? Is that a precursor? Burnt into my mind. For well, tonight's show? I'll tell you here. Um, Sterling Marlin, who... I love NASCAR names. God loves Sterling Marlin now because he's got some health challenges and he's he, he, he's lost a lot of weight. He's around, but... Um, but he was... It was really hot and it was a practice... It was a test session. It was not Brickyard Weekend, but it was leading up to it and it was really hot outside. And... Sterling Marlin, he was driving the Coors Light car. He was one of them that was testing out there. And I was with, I think I was with Otis Jones. And, you know, we're just walking around the garage area. Like, and there's like eight of us in the media that were there because it was a private test day. And we're like, we got to get a couple of sound bites. And I went in the garage and Sterling Marlin's car's up and they're working on it. And I'm like, hey, is Sterling around? Like, we want to get a sound bite with him. I'm like, yeah, hang on just a second. And they, he comes around the corner and he is wearing only tidy whities <laughs> Hey, y'all need me? Well, yeah, but if you, I think he actually said... Keep it from the neck up if you I, don't mind. I think he actually said, y'all mind if I put put this on? No, we would prefer. Thank you. Yes. Now, not to, I don't know, get, get too into this, but I think you've got to be a little bummed out this weekend in the fact that there's a few more voices on the call and maybe you might not get as much of the mic time. No, actually, I probably get the same amount of mic time. Really? Yeah, because we have... Um, I guess you have more races. I mean, I have a pretty big area that I have to cover in terms of the way that the layout is. So we have Doug Rice in the booth, and he shares the booth with Mark Jane. So they kind of combo. And then Michael Young is in turn one. And we'll speak in road course terms. He's the first one. Nick Yeoman's up on the roof of the Pagoda. And then Nick throws it to me, and then I throw it to Pat Patterson of PRN, who is in the turn one oval basket, which is the last stretch that they go through before they go back onto the oval. 
and then most of the when we talk about the combination of the two broadcast terms most of that's in the pits that makes sense is the people in the pits that makes sense um and, and you know what it's a challenge because i'm not used to those cars admittedly so it takes a while for my eye to get used to you know like an indy car i see a car go past and my eye automatically knows who it is because i just see it so often and that's not the case with nascar right. so it's always and there's more of them and i i will say every single time that i'm getting ready to go into one of those races i think to myself i i yeah i don't think i can do this like i, I can't do this like i don't have it and it just and then you you get a couple as the race goes on it it whittles down to where you're looking primarily at the same four to six cars it's where somebody somebody running 38 you know goes off into the grass and i got to look at it and i'm like yeah you know david gilliland okay you know that throws me off a little bit it is an off day for the colts but we still have our code words for quack daddy donuts today i guess it's a phrase that would be first down first down is the phrase today so you're in that area right off 161st and spring mill stop by quack daddy donuts go in there say first down three dollars off a dozen donuts and again we'll be back out to grand park coming up on thursday man i'll tell you what those donuts were great yesterday and i drove right past um 163rd ish in spring mill yeah on Mm -hmm. on your way uh, up to grand park in westfield uh great coffee as well andy does a great job with the coffee at quack daddy donuts i made sure to do my part in consuming the product you and then you know what when we were handing them out to fans i think they loved that right yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. Uh, by the way ryan priest will drive the number 41 purdue university indianapolis machine during the verizon 200 at the brickyard so they are nice continuing their sponsorship and that's on saturday uh that's on sunday and oh that's in the cup race in the cup oh wow ryan priest will be in a purdue paint scheme for the cup oh yeah i'm seeing it right here number 41 god that's a good looking black and gold when was the last time an nfl team listed two quarterbacks as their first team starting quarterback i saw tampa did that yesterday too Mm -hmm. was it it kyle trask and baker mayfield uh i feel like that's a very popular college thing to do yeah like you don't want anybody to transfer too early or you know tom allen's a big fan of that right uh i saw allen say this year he's not going to announce the starter last year he announced a little bit earlier Don't think yeah, it's going to matter. Sure teams are there's, sweating that. There's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> teams are sweating Rose now. Rose Bowl, baby. Takes the Ohio State line from 28 and a half to 27 and a half on that. Uh-huh. Uh, Andrew says this. Oh, Andrew goes, I've been listening to the show. I'd say the large majority of Colts fans, or at least the ones that I've seen comment on the issue, have no problem with Kareem Hunt's history. Okay. Would you agree with that? I don't have a listen. If you have a problem, if you don't have a problem with his history, that's fine. What I'm saying is, the the problem for me is in the Colts telling me that his history is something that they evaluate. Yeah, I, they don't. I don't think kicking the stigma means kicking another woman. Right. I don't. Correct. I mean, it's. I don't expect every fan to be outraged by it. But what I'm saying is, if you are, I'm not the one who goes around talking about how the Colts care about character. The Colts are the ones that tell me that. I think we do this often with running backs, too. We have such a nostalgia with them. I mean, Mark, right off the stats, or look at Kareem Hunt's yards per carry in recent years. This is a dude that, basically, if you compare like Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt, who've been together in the backfield in Cleveland for the last few years, and then look at like Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. I think a lot of people were disappointed that Naheem Hines wasn't a better runner. 
You know, when Taylor was out, which wasn't very often, but it'd be like, oh man, you give Hines 12, 14 carries and he just can't do it like like Taylor. You know, he's more of the wide receiver hybrid type. Kareem Hunt, his yards per carry, it's a stark contrast to Nick Chubb. And this guy's 29 years old. So even if you're looking at him as a football player, I'm like, guys, 2017 when he led the league with Kansas City is a long time ago. Six years for a running back is like 60 years. And for his, other positions. His average yards per carry dropped by over a yard from 2021 to 2022. It went from 4.9 to 3.8. By Behind, way, I think, by all accounts, yeah. a pretty good offensive. Uh-huh. What did you tell me was the code again today for the Colts? First down. First down. So you're up in Westfield, you use the term first down. $3 off a dozen donuts. At, and if you're wearing Colts gear, you get 10% off. Class yeah, we will, uh, Westfield. we'll continue to hand out codes here the rest of this week and next week. As you guys well. get to have Quack Daddy on your way up tomorrow, Quack Mark, Daddy. I think I'm going to try to go pick some up for us tomorrow. Oh, Mark, the girls okay. are going to be obsessed. I and know. literally, I, Jake and I said it yesterday. First off, they taste great, but they look great. They do. It's like art. How about the look on my nephew's face when I handed him his? <laughs> yeah. He was like, Uncle Bowen, what he, is this? He went with the Fruity Pebble one, right? He did. He does he call you Uncle kid. Bowen or Uncle Kevin? He does. He's got an Uncle Kevin on the other side. And uh, so, yeah, that's Uncle Kevin. So power and, rankings is Uncle Kevin. You know, everybody has Bowen. an Uncle Bob and an Aunt Judy. I had both, but it seems... I don't have either. People of my, Huh? I don't have either. Well, people of my... I have an Aunt Kathy. Everybody, Aunt. Have, everybody have an Aunt Kathy? No. Aunt Betsy, Uncle Mark, Uncle Tad... And Kathy, that's it. I, I don't have many. Uncle Dan, I don't have many uh, aunts and uncles. I feel like Uncle Mike is. My dad over. has nine brothers and sisters, so I've got the gauntlet. <laughs> you do. Thank you to Doug Bowles. He was on with us earlier. Obviously, a lot of brickyard talk, but a little bit of IMS in general. Indy five hundred. Uh, trying to get some answers on the flying tire from Kyle Kirkwood's car back in the Indianapolis five hundred and Stephen Holder. Those will be on the best of. Again, we got in the Kareem Hunt situation a little bit earlier. I think Mark's gonna throw that opening segment up on the best of if you guys missed that. Jake, safe travels. Thank you. Don't get pulled over. I'll try not. Uh and enjoy. First time Springsteen, is that correct? First time, yep. So we're just gonna sit around and talk about the glory days the whole way up. Oh gosh. Oh, and then we'll be dancing in the dark if the lights go out of Wrigley. Pray for Bob Kravitz in the backseat having <laughs> to deal with that. Good. It'll be Mark and I tomorrow from Colts Camp. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Raise a spoon to grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba da ba ba ba. And participating McDonald's for a limited time.